Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 113, The Lost Lord, featuring Lizzie. I'm Scatty, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hey, like Scad said, joining us today is Lizzie. You might have seen her on Twitter as at LizDated. Uh, a reasonably newer blood rider to the fold, but man, is she just jumped right in and it's been a blast having her around. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up, but uh, she fits right in with us and valued member of our little family, our little Kalisar here. So Lizzie, how are you doing? Awesome. How are you guys doing? I am doing, doing so good. great. Yeah. Doing good. A little tired, excited. a little mm-hmm. moody, but super good. You're excited? You're... A little tired. Yeah, I'm over here drinking Kickstarts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is uh, 1130 for you right now, 1140 No, it's only 940, but I'm a, I'm a big wiener. I always go to bed early. <laughs> oh, I thought you were East Coast for some reason. I thought you were East Coast also for some reason. Hmm. Yeah, I'm mountain time, Idaho. All right, okay. Really? I don't know why I thought that. For some reason, I thought Ohio or something. Yeah. Knowing now that you're in mountain time, my explanation of the mountain time thing seems really stupid. <laughs> that I tried to do that in that email to you. <laughs> I'm like, let me explain to you how mountain time works. You know, like I live here. It's <laughs> really dumbass. I'm in the uh, mountains, man. I'm scared. Uh, okay, great. Um, where, where was it? Um, oh, one of the, yeah, one, of the you... one of the first things uh, that the first times I remember interacting with you, Lizzie, was uh, just, you were just so excited to have people. I don't know, we'll get to the fandom questions and how you found the fandom in general later, but like, you were just so excited to have people to talk to about. So really excited to have you on and and get that excitement on the feed. Well, live for Matt and I, anyway. (laughs) All right, a a few announcements. Yeah, something that... uh... Is, is reasonably exciting for Scat and I. I don't know if it's exciting for everyone else, but <laughs> we're going on a break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it happens every summer, right, Scad? We usually do a Davos Fingers summer break. And um, so mm-hmm. this is our last episode before that, but we will be back in August with more of Meet the Kalisar. So. Yeah, more Meet the Kalisar. We've got several friends lined up. It's going to be uh, going to be great when we come back. But happy to have Lizzie here for our, our final one before the break. We do also, though, have one more piece of business on the on the plate before that break, and that is for our patrons. Uh, we are going to do a Films Get Fingered slash Google Hangout. Uh, so those those that get to do the Hangout, that's our, uh, our Dirty Cab Driver patrons and up, they'll join us to talk about the movie Mean Girls. Get some with us. us. If you're not dirty cab driver, you can't sit with us. <laughs> uh, so you agree, it's gonna be a good time. Uh it's it's gonna be something, man. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna get together and just everybody's gonna watch that and then we'll get together and talk about it. Matt and I'll throw a few questions in, but honestly it'll probably be more hangout than hardcore film analysis. Anyway, it's sure. gonna be fun. Uh, and then it's going to take before someone throws out a boo, you whore. <laughs> I hope not long. It's just going to be long. the quotes back and forth. Yes, probably. Two hours of quotes, basically uh, rehashing the whole movie. That will turn into a films get fingered as well, because we're going to record it and put it on YouTube for our shuddy level patrons. So uh, look for that patrons of all kinds. Uh, if you want to jump in and help and help record that films get fingered session, 
now's your chance. Go uh, go jump in at the movie cab driver level and, and join us. Um, of course, this episode will release. We should have probably thought of that uh, before yeah. the thing records or the day of. The day of. The so. day of for our patrons. But uh, you have one day notice for the patrons listening. To come join us. A few hours now. You have a matter of hours. Time yeah. is ticking. Never. Uh, anyway, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a great time in a few hours. From totally. Now, uh, that you're listening to this. Uh, so come come join us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So um, today we're gonna go ahead and jump into the chapter that we're going to cover the lost lore from dance with dragons we're probably going to end up talking about the whole ogon connington arc as we talk about this we may even slide into some arianne in that potential future meeting and who knows who knows where we'll go the point is we're going to go all over the place spoilers abound so be ready for that slide into some arianne scad someone's getting ready for his special appearance on history of westeros uh this will be after that too like go get it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah everyone check out uh whatever episode of history of westeros it's going to be scad is going to be on it tomorrow for us but um i guess last week for you guys it's it's sunday yeah but it will sunday excuse me time this comes out yeah, go check it out. It's on YouTube. Check out the History of Westeros YouTube channel. You can find it. It's Ariane too, And I'm sure it was a lot of fun by the time you're hearing this. <laughs> yep. uh, if you want to contact us, you know exactly where to find us. We are Davos Fingers at Gmail. Our Twitter handle is at Davos Fingers, and we're always hanging out over there. We are on Facebook here and there, too. And, of course, uh, the aforementioned Patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. Okay, should we do this thing? Yeah, man, let's jump right into the summary, the first half of the summary here. Okay, Lost Lord. Um, Guys, Griff, he was sick of waiting. He'd been waiting for 12 years to move on this plan and try and get back home. And now here he is, waiting again. This time for Halden to return with three horses so that he, Halden, and Aegon could ride to meet the Golden Company and reveal Aegon to them for who he truly was. So here they waited on the riverbank of the Rhoyne, just outside Voluntheries. Hot, sticky, and impatient as he was, but Lamore seemed fine. Wouldn't it be safer to leave the boy here, she asks. It seems much too big a risk to Lenore for a game they have been playing for over a decade. Yeah. She continues on that this camp of sellswords could turn on them at any turn with, with no warning. She isn't sure this is the ideal time and place to do this. These are different men than the ones Connington had known 12 years ago. The original agreement was made with Miles Toyne, not now leader homeless Harry Strickland. Yeah, and Harry could not know the deal or just choose to not even honor it. Uh, the original plan was to reveal Aegon's true identity when Daenerys came west. But as she lingers in Marine and the bells continued to ring in Connington's head, Aegon grew up and they decided that the time to reveal was now to the Golden Company. Uh, and history suggests that this company could maybe be loyal to him. So Halden returned with three subpar for horses for which he overpaid. Griff has Lamore ready for the prince, or ready the prince, sorry, despite her disapproval. While he waits, he regrets letting Halden go by the horses himself and for trusting in general after he had let Tyrion escape and sell horses. Supposedly he was taken away at sword point, but Griff is not so sure. 
Aegon emerges from the shy maid, and man, does he look the part? Black and red from boots to necklace. Careful, Angus. he's a minor. <laughs> My crush is minor. He's My crush is also now, minor. Guys. <laughs> he, he is a man grown. You're right. There you. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. No, it's fine. Sorry. Only his still-dyed blue hair confuses the issue now, as every inch of the rest of him denotes a proper Targaryen prince. Aegon bemoans the shock of blue, wanting to end the final part of this illusion. Soon enough, Griff replies. Shall we go? Your army awaits. They ride the three miles south and find a very well-made camp with sentries, stakes, and pikes, latrines properly dug near the river, and wide avenues between the tents. Griff eases up on his fears of what type of commander this Harry Strickland might be. Sir Franklin Flowers, the brown apple, leads them through camp, nobody seemingly recognizing John. His disguise and the lie told of him that he drank himself to death in lice after robbing the Golden Company, apparently doing its job. No one remembers him. Still, Griff swears that Berries will pay for that disservice to his name. As they near the Captain General's tent, they are greeted by a series of pikes mounted with skulls, the largest of Maelis the Monstrous, and the accompanying skull no larger than a child's fist, with his nameless brother. Also, there is that of Miles Toyne, his skeletal head missing all the charisma and life present in the former commander of the Golden Company. And as Griff considers what his life might have been like had he stayed with the company, he thinks he could have led these men. Yet still, he regrets nothing, as when he returns, it will be to correct his past mistakes, to honor Rhaegar by placing his son on the throne and not returning as some skull on a stick. Go on in, Flowers interrupts. Because you guys can't see the feed, I'll just tell you that Lizzie uh, got really into the spirit here and <laughs> made a series of skeleton heads uh, to represent the Golden Company leaders there posted behind her on the wall even including a child's fist sized little skull for uh, Maelis's little brother what do you think Maelis's little brother would have been named Maelis Maelis oh my gosh yeah. okay show's yeah. over yeah. we're done we're done here yeah. <laughs> that's awesome you were so quick with that too it was pretty good just like, man this is gonna be good tonight so where do you guys want to start oh, there's so much here lizzie you seem you seem like you're champing at the bit you got something? i really am okay so i want okay. to start with the with the whole lenore issue okay so i made some notes and forgive me because i really dove into this one but i noticed <laughs> that in all of the previous chapters like uh, the Tyrion chapters leading up to you know he's meeting them he's going to know her uh, 12 times they call her they only address her as Septa you know Septa Lamore Septa Lamore when the author writes about her he only calls her Lamore mm. but when you get to the lost lord no Septa twice he calls her Lady Lamore which I mean could be said that it's a part of their cover but maybe it's also a clue that she was nobility you're diving There's in so deep. much tinfoil out there about who she is you know wow Nice catch on the uh, septa no septa usage. Yeah. Hmm. So what? So so what you're saying is when characters are addressing her, they use septa Lamore. Right. When George is just writing her name as 
prose of his own or whatever, uh, he he sometimes calls her just Lamore. Simply Lamore. And sometimes, I guess, Griff himself calls her Lady Lamore. Only in the Lost Lord, yeah. Only in the Lost Lord. So, uh, I admit, I haven't been super involved in the Septilomore theories for years, so I've forgotten probably most of it. But I don't remember hearing anybody really bring that up much. I don't think it has been. Not that I, I think know. Lizzie's trodden some new ground here. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's interesting. So so follow the thought along. What are you what are you trying to say? What do you you got you got you're adding this to support an existing theory? You got a new one bubbling, or what are you what are you going for? You know, I'm not sure yet. It's super like I really only just caught it recently and I was just like, oh my gosh, so maybe she was nobility. I know there's a lot of thought out there that she's a Shara Dane or that she's Mira Reed's mother. Right. Or that she's uh, the Sand Snake. What's her name? I'm... Solera? Mm. Somebody says that she, or Tyene, or someone says she's one of the Sand Snake's mother. I've seen a lot of things kicked around out there. Tyene's hmm. mother, probably, because uh... she was a Septa. Right, there yeah. we go. And so I, I just really have to wonder, what does it mean? It leaves me yeah. with more questions, which is pretty infuriating. But <laughs> in a world when we're all so thirsty, like, I'm a thirsty bitch right now, guys. I need information. I need more. So feed me. Yes. Feed me. Yes. Uh, so, Go ahead. yeah, it's easy to say like, oh, Tyene's mom was a Septa, so therefore she is Septa Lamore, right? <laughs> with that being the only connective tissue between the but, two. But okay, so she's been in charge of Griff's spiritual advisement. So mm-hmm. it almost. It almost connects to a Chardin more for me because, you know, she threw herself from a building. It was also tragic and lost her baby. But mm-hmm. maybe she was entrusted to this task. Yeah, she was. Uh, Ellie is one of her best friends, right? Um, Ashara was and could have been a likely candidate for this. I think that's part of the theories that are out there about Bashardane being being uh Lamar. You know, it, it really it, it really is interesting. I've always kind of thought that Halden and Lamar both seem to have some sort of history that that that's not being explained. And I never really dove too deep to figure out what those things are. But with Septa Lamore, she knows her stuff. She knows she I mean like, you know, I don't know how how, how deep and how uh, complicated the, the faith is, right? But she knows her stuff and she taught it to him. And so it implies to me that she was a septa or or right. at least, you know, had, maybe she was just very devout, I guess. But um, yeah. she's read you know, her seven-pointed star book. A right. few times. A few well, times. Well, she ended up hooking up with somebody at the tourney at Hall and had the baby and you know repentance um you know finding a life with the seven yeah right yeah Yeah. it's like her this is her penance kind of a life of servitude for the mistakes she's made or something yeah maybe maybe yeah i like like, i like yeah that seems there seems to be some motive there i like that one i like what you were talking about how she was elia's best friend so there's a connection there um it does say that I think Tyrion calls her handsome. Is that the word he uses to describe her? 
Yeah. Um, no, actually, it could be. I I, I think that's what he term. uses in one of his chapters. But yeah. I think he he calls her a handsome woman. Um, she does have stretch marks. They they mention on her belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always picture her as. Uh, yeah, you guys seen she's Tommy also Boy? not super modest, right? <laughs> of course. You've seen yes. Tommy Boy? <laughs> yes. In fact, I'm going to quote it later. Oh, awesome. Because <laughs> I picture her as the uh, the 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 lady that's marrying Tommy Boy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Who ends up being the bad guy. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I should know who that is. Who is it? I don't, oh, I I don't even I don't know the actress's name. name. Oh I think it, I think part of it is the first time you see her, she's like coming out of the pool and everything, yes. and she's in that yeah. bikini. Oh, it's and Bo so Derek. Was, Isn't it Bo Derek? I, I don't know. I think it's Isn't Bo that Derek. a baseball player? No. <laughs> Bo Derek was from 10. She was like, she's famous for that uh, bathing suit shot, like walking from the ocean on the... No? Just me? Okay. Yeah, I mean, just it, was, you. it was before our time. But uh, it's kind of like a famous shot. Okay. I, yeah, it probably is her. Yeah, but she's coming out of the water and everything, the water dripping <laughs> off her. She flings her hair back. And I totally just like when Tyrion's watching Septa Lamour bathe. I think that's where that think about how connection much you love was turtles. made. Yeah. <laughs> Big old ones. And that's evidence to me that she's not a Septa, right? I mean, sure. that she's just, she doesn't seem prudish at all about, right. the, about her body and covering it and things like that almost almost like she's teasing him and so yeah yeah maybe maybe she's just a very flirty a very playful devout... by nature she had the playful purple eyes and oh okay hmm. Hmm. i thought I she was noted mostly as shy but maybe she was oh maybe she was maybe just her laughing purple eyes yes laughing purple eyes for sure yeah barrison mentions those um i'm going with ashara well, because we yeah, don't know not... about Lamar's eyes. You have to think he's leaving that out for a reason. He's a wily devil. Absolutely. I'm going yeah. back to Matt's Matt's whole thing on theories. I'm just tired of thinking about Lamar. <laughs> she might be. <laughs> George, just give it to me. I'm thirsty too. I'll just, just, tell, me. just tell me who it is. Just I'll just me. wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to put any thought into this. I'm just going to stand beneath, kneel beneath the spigot and put my tongue out and just wait <laughs> for a, drops to fall onto it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Halden, however... Yeah, I am still very curious about. Yes. Okay, let's too. let's let's talk about the half maester. Well, I don't have anything new. I, I mean, nothing I, on him. I've, I've, well, they don't tell us much, really, right? the The most interesting thing about it is, as as you're reading, I didn't pick up really that he was. Maybe it's in the earlier chapters. I just don't remember. But I don't remember even thinking he was part of the Golden Company until this chapter, when it's like, oh yeah, he was there too. Yeah. And like, why did they have to give a story? For John Connington to disappear, but not for Halden to disappear. Right. They presumably left, like, together, right? Like, to go take care of this boy and raise him. So, like, did, why didn't they need a story for him? Because he was part I, of the company. I think they probably did. I think, uh, I, I I wonder if maybe the story was the same, that both he and John were right. complicit so, in that act of stealing the and they chest. fed each other drinks until they both died of consumption yeah. <laughs> they drank themselves to death yeah halden's right. you know bless his heart he but he's forgettable right he wasn't a former lord um, right. no one in westeros is wondering what happened to him so and george is relying on that he's like i'm gonna get you he's like no one's looking here i'm gonna go here mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean to me like you're right. He's not. He's definitely not a former lord, not active lord. But 
very easily to me could be one of these, you know, descendants of one of these houses that, that came over with bitter steel or whatever. Or a miner um, house or, you know, anything. Right. Better right. not be a peak. <clears throat> it's just a, like, he's, he's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely not. He would have never left if he was <laughs> a peak. <laughs> uh, definitely feels like he's got Westerosi ties. Calling yes. him half maester, right? Like, oh yeah, for it sure. feels like there's a tie there, some somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. I, I don't like how if if he's been in Essos the whole time, they don't train maesters in Essos. So, is that why they call him half maester? Because he got training like medical or then... knowledge training somewhere else, but they're Westerosi, so they yeah, call him a half halfway through. Yeah, well, how does that right. tie in with the maesters and how they don't want magic in the world? Maybe that's yeah. what he left. Maybe. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. It's it's endless speculation, I suppose. And why? What what was his motivation for being willing to leave with John in the first place? Maybe the fighting life wasn't for him. I don't know. Maybe he didn't love being a part of the Golden Company, anyways. So anything would be better. But or there is a a deeper connection where he really wanted to be a part of this whole Aegon thing. Or was he just paid? You're right, though. Looking at the motivation is the main is is the way to go about it. Like, why would he leave? Why not just mm-hmm. stay with the Golden Company? Was he just paid by, you know, Illyrio? And so he's like, yeah, all right, that's a gig that's easier than fighting. So I'll sure I'll go do that. Right. Or was it? Or does he have, you know, some sort of Blackfire invested interest, you know, or or Targaryen invested interest, right? Like there there's a bit of conflict between those two. Like you'd think people that had I think I made this point in our the last time we covered this episode but or this chapter but it, they don't get along super well for yeah. somebody that's like if you travel with somebody for 12 years like you better get along pretty well but like they've got they butt heads a little bit and they do butt heads it, it made me wonder a little bit if maybe Halden knows more about the whole blackfire thing that John is completely unaware of and that that's his hmm. motivation right what does he know? Well, maybe just maybe just Illyrio and Varys. Maybe he's a Blackfire, or you know, like another relative of Sarah's, or or something, you know, somewhere that he's actually on the Blackfire side of the plot. If you believe in all of the Blackfire side of that plot, and yes. and John isn't, and so that gives them kind of a natural, at least from Halden's perspective, kind of a natural clash um, conflict. Hmm, it's a good point. It's all speculation, though. I don't have anything to back it up. I do like how John, at the beginning of the chapter, is like, Halden can't be trusted alone. And <laughs> this guy he's been with for 12 years, and he's like, yeah. Ab- and John, he absolutely can be trusted. Right. But I think this says something about John at this point, that this guy who was formerly like so arrogant, so full of pride and confidence and everything, and just had this swagger to him, which is why Ares named him Hand, uh, now second guesses like even the little decisions he makes. Yeah, he's like, Halden can't be trusted. I should have sent Raleigh. And then later he's like, I should have just gone myself. Like, <laughs> And then he totally. says later, like, I should have slit Tyrion's throat when he first met him. You know? Yes. And In the back of the bells, like everything comes back to that, it feels like. He just is so messed up. Yeah, exactly. That failure at Stony Sept haunts like Every decision he now makes, right? Yes. His confidence is just shot. Um, I, I have that and, same that same language, Matt. So he's second guessing hmm. everything now, 
And I feel like he probably wasn't like that for the last 12 years. It's almost like, um, you know, like he feels, he feels the urgency of the timeline now kind of catching up. With the grayscale too. With the the grayscale for sure. He's always had the beating of the bells in the back of his head, Lizzie, like you said. And he knows now that the time is coming. Like it's, it's finally here. You know, I'm sure you guys have all had this where you're, you know, you're kind of waiting on something that's a long time away and you're just kind of okay and treading water and dealing with it. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's like, oh my God, it's happening in two weeks. Oh right God. now. Yeah. Right. And like you panic and you're, and, and you start getting like anxious and second guessing your preparation to get there and like all these things. I think that's where John is right now is I had 12 years to get ready for this and I'm not ready. I had to rely on a guy to go get horses. Why did I get horses before? And I have like, you know, like I had tons of time to do this. Well, then I think factor in the fact that Illyrio's had, you know, these plans and these plans. So like everything is changing. Nothing is going as it should. Yeah. That's adding to the anxiety. Yeah. 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 And, And what's kind of funny with the horses, just real quick is the only people that really see them with horses is like the sentry when they first arrive. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's flowers. like, we, we gotta look, we gotta look yeah. good by being on horses and everything. And then like, <laughs> nobody even sees them on the horses anyway. Yeah. They, yeah. All the leaders and stuff were in the tent for the war council. They could, they didn't even need to get the <laughs> yeah. horses in the first place. <laughs> yeah. And, and he didn't really even want people in the camp looking at him Yeah, to recognize him. So like, like you should have got it. like cloaks you know like give me some of those elven cloaks it's all all. like don't ask what they cost us <laughs> yeah Halden's all pissed off now he's like son of a bitch like, yeah. <laughs> I mean I guess I guess get those stupid horses <laughs> I guess walking the three miles would have taken longer and they would yeah, be tired yeah, maybe there's something to that part Unless but, the prince but, but how they look boots. they could have yeah. got mules for that just so they didn't have to walk <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like Griff is just, he's just fascinating right now. He's a mess. And I, I don't know whether I just misread him in my previous reads, but I kind of always thought him thought of him as like motivated, uh, but not, but not out of touch and not, you know, a poor decision maker. But now I'm looking at him, I'm like, ah, you know, like he advised, like he advises Aegon to trust people, right? That earn it, Right. And right. be generous with an open hand, and and then yet here he is like treating Lamor and Halden like crap, even though like yeah. they've earned his trust over twelve years, like you said, Matt. Right. But, like he's, but, he's like, I'm fond of her, but she can't tell me what to do. Right. He, <laughs> don't be petulant. A prince especially has good cause to be wary, but go too far down that road, and the mistrust can poison you, make you sour and fearful. Which is exactly how he sounded in the What's preceding happening? pages before yeah. delivering that speech to him. It's like, or look in a mirror, dude. You are yeah. totally sour and totally fearful of people leaving you or being betrayed or whatever. And so it's, he's, he's for sure an interesting case, especially right now. It's like when you're being compared to King Ares, you got to change some change. Think about your life decisions, man. It's true. Let your fingernails grow out and don't shower and go away or get this done. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The nails. Yeah. Oh, Even some of his big like decisions. Oh, gross. And then when they get all curly and stuff. Oh, no. Mm. But yeah, even like his his thoughts on uh, 
how much time he has, you know, throughout the chapter, he says stuff like, I do not have time for caution. But then at the end of the chapter, he's like, I got, I got maybe like two years, yeah. maybe like five years. Sometimes the stone men live for 10. He's just, you know, I really think he is just driven by that sense of urgency. Like you said, Scott, that, um, I, I said this on the, the radio Westeros episode I did about John Con. It reminds me of on the office, Michael Scott's last day. Remember that one where yes. he's he's got his list of people he needs to say goodbye to. And <laughs> as the day goes on, he's trying to have a moment with each person and none of them know that it's his last day. And like Pam's out of the office and she ended up like going to see a movie or something. And <laughs> he, he's getting more and more tense by the end of the day. And everyone's like, what the what the heck's wrong with Michael? Like, what's going on, buddy? And he can't say anything, but he's freaking out. And that's exact. And he starts making those poor decisions and and being really brash with people and like uh isn't phyllis trying to like knit him like an yes. oven mitt or something it's like, <laughs> and it's like this one <laughs> it's like halfway yeah it's a pair of mittens and she like halfway finishes one of them <laughs> and he's like this is great this will be fine this and he takes fine. it it's wonderful and she's and she's like what what's going on with him <laughs> that's uh yeah that's that's what john con's going through in a very much yeah. less comical way but yeah, yeah, he's he's not making it fun for anyone. Even <laughs> even Ver Varus, who's not there, and he's like cursing him for this ruse of how of, you know having stolen and drunk himself to death. He's like, he'll pay, he'll pay for that. Like, Come on, man! Like it worked, and it's exactly the dude. Like relax. The dude's facilitating you going back home. Like chill right. out for a second. Like, <laughs> like John Con needs to be less Michael Scott and more Dwight Schrute when he's like. I'm ready to face yes. any challenge that is foolish, foolish enough to face me. <laughs> Take a page from the shrews. Good poll. <laughs> Great poll. Great. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, let's talk about John some more, maybe. Um, John talking about, you know, how he failed Prince Rhaegar once and he would not fail his son not while life remained in his body. Excuse me, not whilst. Let me start saying whilst. 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 Whilst life remained in his body. And it's funny that John's desire to, like, bind himself to Rhaegar's memory is, that's his primary motivation. He's not exactly doing it for Aegon, right? He's doing it for Rhaegar. Right. And right. And so it's uh, it's interesting. Lady Gwen, um, she made this point on the episode about John Connington, and I really wanted to capture it here so more people could hear it because it's a great point. She compares John Con with another man from John's generation who uh, is also raising one of Rhaegar's alleged sons. Edard Stark. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, John spends 12 years raising Aegon in secret and not really to keep him safe, right? Right. She says, with the intention of one day thrusting him into the center of political intrigue and likely grave danger. Well said. <clears throat> yeah, thrusting. But then you've got Edard, who's priorities are almost like the polar opposite of John Connington's keeping 
John safe at any cost. Protect yeah. him from being used like as a pawn or protect him from Robert Baratheon. Um, and yeah, he's doing the will of Lyanna, maybe, whatever. It depends on what, yeah, what Promise Me Ned was. But it's interesting to compare and contrast the two, both raising sons of Rhaegar. Um, one doing it, <laughs> he, he, I'm doing this for Aegon, but really he's doing it for Rhaegar, you know? Uh, and then Eddard, who's just doing everything he can to keep John safe, even to the detriment of, you know, his own marriage right. in some ways. So, you know, when I, yeah, I remember, I'm sorry, when I think of John Con and how he feels about Rhaegar, like for whatever reason, I always flash back to that Friends episode where Ross says Rachel's name. You know, and, and when he's getting married and to Elizabeth, yes. he says, I, I love you, Rachel, I Ross, or whatever. Take me, Rachel. And it's always like that for me. Like, Aegon, Aegon is going to come up and he's going to announce him and be like, Rhaegar, ha, Ray, Aegon, Aegon. You know, like, <laughs> buddy in the waters, man. <laughs> Aegon. 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 Yeah. Aegon. Mance Aegon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I it's interesting they never really talk about whether or not Aegon looks like Rhaegon. right right like like i mean they say he's got the targaryen features and obviously the hair is different but like that for for um for john who's so obsessed with his last moments with Rhaegar and you know what what he meant to him and how he failed him you never once at least not that i remember get any in his povs any you know him looking at Aegon or watching him and thinking, oh, just like Rhaegar. You know, like he does say in this chapter, he'd have been so proud of you, you know. But like, I don't remember any True. any sort of like yeah. wistful, you know, you remind me so much of him or it's, it's kind of it, well, I don't I don't mean to make it creepy. No, but, I know. but but just but 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 just like you remind me of him, right? Um you don't get much of that. Well, yeah, like, just like a simple you remind me so much of your dad. Right. Nope, not there. Go ahead, Lizzie. Rhaegar, or Rhaegar's eyes were... Do we know, like, were they the deep purple or were they the light purple? I wonder, because uh, they talk about how Aegon's eyes, you know, they look blue, obviously, but they're such a dark purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the blue hair kind of makes the eyes look a little bluer. Right. But he, ha yeah, he has, he has the Targaryen eyes. Yeah. And Rhaegar did, too. I think their uh, eyes are probably pretty I, similar. Looked it up real quick because this isn't history of Westeros here. We sometimes need to look stuff up. Uh, Rhaegar had deep purple eyes. Okay. Yeah. He had the deep stuff. Uh, so I want to go back real quick, Matt, to what you said about comparing uh, Gwen's point that I remember hearing when you guested on, on their show um, about comparing Ned and John. And, you know, the one of the differences is I feel like Ned got a sense of closure with Liana. He got to her before she died and they had a conversation that we don't know everything that happened and he made that yeah. promise and he got some level of closure that John didn't get with Rhaegar. So he's always having to like wow, yeah. reach back and try to prove that, right? Versus Ned who's like, I know what I need to do to, to honor her memory. With John yeah. Con, it's like grasping. It's like, well, what do you... Yes, this, the throne was what he was after and he failed. So I'll get that for him. That must have been what he would want for his son. When, like, yeah, he doesn't know what, what <laughs> he would want for 
for Aegon, necessarily. For Aegon. So he's yeah. making it up because he doesn't have the information. He never got to talk to Rhaegar. Wow. Never yeah. thought about that. And, and with sympathy for John Con, it's a Smashing Pumpkin song. And now that song's in my head. It's a good one, too. So this is a nice moment for me. Uh, you know, talking about how the bells tolled for us all that day at Stony Sept, mm. for Ares and his queen, for Elia and her little daughter, for every true man and honest woman in the Seven Kingdoms, and for my silver prince. I mean, this guy's carrying the weight of an entire kingdom upon his shoulders Always. for his failure at Stony Sept. And that's not fair. He's not no. being fair with himself. Uh, whose fault was it really? It was no one's fault, right? Like, <clears throat> um, they, they that, argue in the chapter, I think, previous. In one of these chapters, you know, they even they even come across that discussion. They, they talk about he reflects on how he he said as much to uh, Blackheart. You know, there was nothing I could do. I did everything I could. And he's like, no, if you were Tywin Lannister, you would have gone in, smashed him all to hell. And he has to think about how, yeah. you know, it's funny because he talks about Homeless Harry wanting to be liked. But, I mean, Battle of the Bells, you know, like, yeah. obviously you don't want to go in and kill a town, but you let that get ahead of what had to happen, maybe. I mean, not, yeah. you know, massacres, but. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And it's in, in that following chapter, like you said, he goes right into that that story where he's like, you know, I thought I did everything I could. I was wrong. And he told me what, and Miles told me why I was wrong. And, you know, you go back to Tywin yeah. with, uh, with, uh, with the reins and Tarbex and how Tarbex he and just quashed them, right? The and threat of no, Duskendale. no mercy. Right. D Duskendale, too. But, like, I mean, he flooded the entire castle. Oh, was it the Tarbex or the Reigns? I don't remember which one. But he flooded, I think it was the Tarbex. Rain just flooded the entire castle and with no regard for like anything else. Yeah, Tywin would have just lit this town on fire to, to make it happen. And John, John, right. it's not just being a good guy, Matt. I think you've talked before about he's got, he's got some pride in him too. Yeah. Absolutely. And if he's feeling regret now and second guessing everything. Oh my goodness. You know, at what cost he could have been effective at Stony Sept by doing what Tywin would have done, but what right. would be the cost? Exactly. Right. And yeah. I have a feeling he would be killing himself inside just as much for massacring an entire town at, or village. I don't guess, I guess I don't know what designation they really were, uh, as he would of letting, letting Robert go or Robert getting away. And burning the town, he also wouldn't get the glory either, right? Like the pride, like he wants the pride of taking him out. Yeah, right. And yeah. he wouldn't get that if he burns the town down. He wanted to be the celebrity, the superhero. Yeah, yeah. Whereas someone like Tywin doesn't care about that. Just as yeah. long as House Lannister lives on, that's it. Out on top. Yeah. Yep. Dang. <clears throat> that's what mm, we call a good pick stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so you, you talked, you skirted over it pretty quick, Matt, but, um, you, you know, is it all John's fault? I think he feels that way. I don't think anybody else feels that way, though, right? I mean, there are nope. so many moving parts to this whole thing. Yeah. You know, the yeah, that's a good way to describe Rhaegar it. So many day, moving parts. Yeah. I mean, there, there were lots of bells tolling from lots of different actions, you know, that, that caused this, you know, including Rhaegar himself and, you know, 
making off with Lyanna and kind of starting the whole thing, right? I mean, there were lots of things that kind of started those bells swinging back and forth. Absolutely. Right, yeah. What is it that Ian Malcolm says on Jurassic Park? Uh, butterfly flaps its wings in Central mm-hmm. Park and there's a tsunami in China. or so. I don't remember exactly right. what he says. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, no, no, nobody scaled that tower to stop those bells. Right. Mm. They just kind of ring and ring and ring. Especially bells ringing, bastards being made. Busy night, guys. Like, John <laughs> needs a therapist really badly. He does need someone to talk to. Let's we'll just deal he with this group. You should talk to Holden. He's yeah. got Holden. He He's man? got Lamore. Would Lamore would probably be great too? But... Yeah. <laughs> or Yusilla. Yeah, yeah, Yusilla Attila. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> That's what I always say, but I Yusilla Attila. Yusilla Attila. Oh my gosh. Oh, we need to make a, a hip-hop song about that. Oh, my gosh. That is so she, great. The previous Tyrion chapter, when she, after he's, down. after Tyrion fell in the water, and she just gives him, like, this massive stink eye, and is like, you eat only what you touch, and leave me and stay away from me. She's yeah, like giving don't him touch anything. serious stink eye. <laughs> she rocks. Oh, that's so great. Mm. Um, uh, what else do you guys have here? have a ton more. See, I, I kind of like mine come up in the next section. Okay. Oh yeah, I got I a like, lot for the next section. I like liter- literarily, if that's a word, what George does with Lamore here, and he also does it later on with Harry Strickland, where Lamore is presented as like a foil to John Connington's resolve, right? Oh. And how she's questioning. Uh, his decision to reveal Aegon and she like covers every single point. And the whole purpose of George doing that is to strengthen our resolve that what John's doing is the right thing. Right. Cause yeah. he's got an answer for every single thing. It reminds me of um, Leia's chat with Luke in the Ewok village on return of the Jedi, where she's like, why must you confront him? Right. About him leaving to go confront Darth Vader. And you know, and and that idea that she's like run away far away uh well, and no, luke well, has the emperor to can't touch you yes and... the empire can touch you. <laughs> if you then leave this place what is... I, I can't remember i wish i could go with you i can't believe no, we're not you... doing this justice it's terrible it is. no you don't we should know this you were always strong hey i'm, I'm doing all right you're doing all right. <clears throat> solidly and and then then of course he's like you know, leaving, running far away, that only delays the inevitable, right? It strengthens that resolve. You know, no better time than here, no better time than now. All hell can't stop us now. Rage Against the Machine. Had to I was going to say that's some rage uh-huh. right there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, it's interesting I, that they do that. I like it. Yeah, the, um, I, I like that too. And I, I had a note here. I didn't know where to fit it in. But, but now that you've said it that way, I can. Um you know, Doran reveals his mud prince, Quentin, to Daenerys because out of desperation, right? He has he has to make this move at mm. some point. And, you know, Tyrion even refers to it in the previous chapters uh, with his crew, you know, that, you know, presenting yourself to Daenerys with nothing is not going to be a good a good presentation. But like you said here, Matt, they have all the reasons laid out for why this is the right time. 
to present Aegon to the Golden Company. It's not the same as presenting to Daenerys, but it's it's still, even though it, it, it seems like they're just kind of doing it because they're running out of time, it does make sense. Now is the time for the political theater that's going on. Like, they're going to lose them if they don't do it now, for one thing. Absolutely. The Golden Company. And, Get in there. Yeah. And, and, and it also just makes sense because Aegon's ready and Danny's not coming. So, like, the reasons make sense to reveal him now. It's not right. being done out of desperation. Good it's point. being done because George Cannon Revel the Marinese not. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's two there's two benefits of doing it the way that George does it here. One is it it allows us to be strengthened in our resolve that John Connington's doing the right thing. But it also allows uh Lamore to demonstrate these maternal instincts for John for Aegon that we see. Um, how protective she is of him. And that makes us start thinking those could be clues as to who she is. Someone yeah. like a Shara Dane, you know, <clears throat> I'm in my uh, best friend's will is I, I, my wife and I get his kids if, you know, something happens to him. And I have those paternal instincts for his kids. They're like my own kids. I love those kids so much, you know, and I would do anything for those four kids. Uh, and, and, you kind of get that impression here. You get a very maternal instinct from her through this back and forth that she has with John Connington in that passage. You no, know, and is that only because she's been with him for a dozen years, or is it because she has been with him for twelve years? Good but point. but or is it deeper than that? Is it she's devoted because of whose child he is and how close she mm-hmm. was to the situation? Right. Yeah. 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 She and Halden both. It's like, what is their motivation? I know. They've got, they've got some something. It's something. Good to know. Do you okay. guys know? Do you guys know a Miles Toyn? Somebody who's like physically below average, but he's just like so charismatic and just, just has the lovely charisma. inside. He or she, or they, uh, that you just overlook all the faults just just because when they throw on that smile, it's just like, oh, you're great. You're oh, awesome. this guy. This guy yes. right here. <laughs> everybody's everybody's uh, got got somebody like everybody's that. Everybody's got a Miles Toyn. You have yeah. one. Lizzie? I always, you know, I always thought that the Toyn was the smiling knight. That, that a Toyn was the smiling knight, and then I realized again pretty recently that it never says who the smiling knight is. I just always assumed. Hmm. Wasn't it? I, I thought it was. Maybe I'm mixing up my history. Simon was it? Simon Toyn? I, I think they so. think it was him. Yeah. yeah. Or Terrence? Who was Terrence? Terrence Toyn. Terrence, Terrence, Terrence was the one. Terrence was the one that. Oh. Yeah, that uh, seduced the queen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One of the queens. Taking the part. Um. Yep. Limb from limb. Limb from limb. I I don't know, Scott. I don't want to say any any guys who I think are Miles Toyn here on the air because it sounds like a big <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> It's, it's like a backhanded compliment. You're super yeah. charismatic and you're super <laughs> <All right>. ugly. <laughs> we'll just all say we know one and you don't have to give a name. It's That's called fine. a thumbelina. It's cute, but it stings, you know, or a bee, a bee, like a bee compliment from community. Surely mm. she's like, That's a that's a bee compliment. It's cute, but it stings. <laughs> but it stings. <laughs> yes. Oh Matt, Lizzie, you've met you your are match. right at home. This is <laughs> this is wonderful. You've met this your match on so sitcom well. quotes. <laughs> Uh, I've like only watched Community through once, so this is this is good. It's my teenager, my my almost fifteen year old, and I. That's like our show. 
that's your show that and Shit's creek it's... we have like yo david tank tops and oh yeah nice. that's my thing too i love Shit's creek yes. well this sounds like a natural transition to getting to yeah. easy a bit better <clears throat> I-, I was just gonna say that uh we get an interesting little mini foreshadowing here of Aegon walking out and saying, I'm sick of this blue dye. We should have washed it out. It's a nice setup for the second half of the chapter where yes. he surprises everybody by revealing himself. So. Yes. And I think the reason for not washing it out seems silly. Like, I almost wonder if if Griff was trying to hold on to it. Well, we can talk about it in the next section. I thought he would have washed it out if he was revealing himself. But I guess maybe security reasons. But then you yeah. can just re-dye yeah. it. Don't be a lazy ass. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Those dyes are expensive, man. I guess. <laughs> they have Illyrio backing them. You telling me that that cheesemonger can't give them some That's new fair. dye? That's fair. fair. Lamore's like, you know how long this takes for a good <laughs> dye? Like, I just did it. You're keeping it in there for a little while. Can we trust Holden to do it this time? <laughs> you know, it probably is Holden that does it. Yeah. Plus, it's Mer- is it Murr? The one that's that's got all the pink and purple dye or pink Tyrosh. and blue dyes? Tyrosh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They get them from the snails or whatever. We read about this. In the... Nobody. No, they learned it from yeah. the inmates no, in the prison. They get really, they get really creative. They're like these guys are onto something. They're close. Ooh. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's cheap. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk about Lizzie. She's dropped a couple little clues here that are like super fascinating to me now. <laughs> guys at the prison. Um, you know. <laughs> My dad was a prison guard. They get super creative. They make their own makeup out of like skittles and water and they're what they paint with it and those guys are creative oh i'm just gosh. saying tyrosh could take some notes do you mean the prison <laughs> guards or the prisoners i see you mean the prisoners yeah, we gotta crazy. get uh we gotta get lizzie chatting with justin chatting with justin yeah blood yeah. rider justin mm-hmm. uh okay so lizzie who are you what do you do what what uh what drives you so i am a handful <laughs> Think. <laughs> we can tell nonsense <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of things roll out of my mouth and i should probably have a better filter but here we are um <laughs> i wouldn't am, want you any other way I, you know and I'm, I'm lucky i found the person that i found because he's he's a good sport it's <laughs> a, a really good sport so i sell uh, i sell beer that's what i do And, you know, I go from store to store and sell them their beer when we have it. There's a big shortage right now. So that's been rough. It's like you used to be a rock star when you walked in somewhere. And now we're like hiding in the shadows because we don't have your Coors Light. Oh, so So I didn't know there there was a beer shortage. Yeah. Just COVID factories shut down, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, we couldn't Hmm. get Corona or Monaco, which... Nobody was drinking Corona in the beginning anyways, because people uh-huh. thought it had something to do. I mean, there was, there's like a whole article on it and they did several States where the stores were completely empty of beer, except for shelves of Corona. <laughs> and people are like, Nope, guess I'm going dry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jeez. But it's a really fun job. Cause I get to just kind of Is it? do my thing. I drive around and listen to my books and my music and talk to people all day. So I like it. So, and so you... when when there's a shortage, sorry, Matt, I want to go back to the shortage. When there's a shortage, like they still make you just drive around and disappoint people, or, yes. they, or is it yes. just like, hey, we're not coming this week? No, we still have to go because you know we have so many different types of beer that we have some beer, 
Oh, you know, and there was like a whole week where we had all the beer and life was good again. And then it went uh, away. I'm like, oh my God. She's got a, she's work. She's refining that Corona pitch over <laughs> and over. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thank God that they got over it before Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was Cinco de Mayo still reasonably good? Was yeah, that a good it week? was. It okay. was, all you right. know, now that we're right. a little well, more informed, apparently. Mm-hmm. Matt, I cut you off from a question you were about to ask. Oh, no, that's all right. I, I was just going to ask, so do you have like, do you have kind of like a set, like a book of business or a client list and you just kind of make the rounds yeah, or are you so... cold calling stores a lot? Or... Ugh, no, um, Thank I'd goodness. be terrible at that. Um, <laughs> so we just have, we have um, each sales rep has their own route and mm-hmm. I actually declined an actual route because I see these guys are so stressed out all the time. I'm like, I'm not doing this right now. Um, and when all the bars and restaurants shut down, you know, obviously the on-prem team, they work all the bars and restaurants, you know, their numbers like went down the toilet and all of us right. that work in the stores and mm. like convenience stores, big spokes, Matt Albertson's, Walmart's, Winco's numbers shot up. Hmm. And then they're like, you know, you can match these numbers next year, right? <laughs> like, man, I'm not taking uh. So I do, I'm like a relief route. Like I have a team and I just you know, rotate through them, help them out, run them if they are on vacation, get to know all the stores. Oh, cool. Pretty. Yeah, it's good. And it's funny because there's some stores where like every, you know, from Coke to Pepsi, like any rep, there's like the one store that everyone knows and hates. And so, (laughs) you know, you walk into it and you see like beer reps there and Coke reps and they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, just came from, you know this place and talk to this person and they're like oh i fucking hate that i'm yep. like commiserate uh, i don't know if i've shared this but i was a coke rep uh out of college for convenience store out um and yeah that's relatable there oh stores, yeah you are there were stores that i hated and stores that i loved yeah i but yeah i remember uh uh business trips Gad. And we'd be at restaurants, and he would ask at dinner time. Scad would ask, "Do you have uh, Coke?" They'd say, "No, Pepsi." He'd say, "I'll have water." Yeah, I'll have water. Totally. Yeah, that's not. Servers don't like it when I tell that story, but it's definitely what I do. It, I still do it. I saw you do it like three times in Canada, and every time I was just like, "That's my friend Scad." Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, Pepsi's fine. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Freaking, you order the Mountain Dew. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Absolutely. Yep. Um, besides A Song of Ice and Fire, well, no, let's ask this. Um, you mentioned you have a 15-year-old? I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, both boys. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, teenage years, how's that all rolling? You know we've always been really close. Um, hmm. You know, over a lot of years, it was just the three of us. And so we just have a really? very open, transparent relationship. And, you know, some people have said that I'm too honest with them, but we're just so close. You know, my older one is a nerd like me and we game together and we play game of Thrones on PS3 and he like holds a controller and I'm like, don't trust them. Don't trust them. <laughs> and, you know, we, he's like a very House like, water. No, watered down like he loves horror movies so he's always creating like horror kind of anime drawings and 
It's like really watered down Quentin Tarantino, you know, but not as violent. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but he's so creative. He's just, I mean, oh, so, so creative. Cool. And my younger one is like a little football star. So really, I kind of get the best of both worlds with my boys. Oh, cool. And yeah. so you met your husband later. Yeah, well, he and I were friends. For fiance, time. actually, right? Yeah, fiance. Word so weird. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. Me. Congratulations. Yeah, my fiance. My paramour. <laughs> <laughs> Your paramour. Fiance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were friends for for several hi, years. Hi, hi, those of us that listen from France. Hi. Sorry. Yay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you were friends with him for a while. Yeah, and and you know, I never I never really kept my my boys away from like guy friends, but I was never much hmm. of a dater. But I would never like just ever allow any you know romance type men around. So it was confusing for a bit when we really? fell for each other because he'd been around my boys so much but i was like i'm sorry you're cut off now like you can't, <laughs> I can't. you gotta wait yeah. you know and he's, he was very patient and understanding he's just a really really cool guy he's a nerd in his own right and you know yeah it just works it's awesome I'm, I'm dying to press for this question because i got a i got a tease out <laughs> Let's of do it, it when we had our test call Let's and roll into it, Scad. This is a natural transition for it. You, you gave me a few uh, inside looks at your wedding plans, yes. and I wonder if you'd be generous enough to because sh- they're awesome. I wonder if you'd be generous <laughs> enough to share. So with, with the it's going part. to be a half Game of Thrones, half Legend of Zelda. Oh, um, he's wow. he's lifelong Zelda fan. I mean, it's amazing. I got him for for Christmas. I got him like a hand painted shield to hang up in our living room, and uh, he just no loves way. it. He loves it, loves it. And so all the groomsmen will have master swords. Uh, <laughs> that's a must for me. That's great. And I'll be representing. My colors will be for House Dane. And so oh. behind us, you know, we'll have the Dane banner and then the Zelda shield. Uh, my mom's making me a bride's cloak. And I am no working. Yeah, I no made me one so he can drape it. And I am working on building an aisle out of Legos. I figure <laughs> yes. if I if I build them in like the big squares, and those squares are super glued together. And right now I'm just working out like what kind of the colors that I need. But you know, in one square, the Triforce, and in one square, the House Dane sigil, and in one like, and then it goes on. And then when I get there, I'm gonna connect them that way but then i'll have like cool things to hang up on my nerd walls because they'll be their own individual squares in the end yeah so i'm employing my 15 year old to help me with that this this is the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life i i just love wedding stories i'm not i'm not like a big you know romantic kind of guy i wouldn't say but i love wedding stories where like like honestly frankly usually it's it's when weddings happen later rather than younger in people's lives we're just they're just like fuck it yeah, I know what this I is love. me. I'm gonna make yep. this about me and the things I love, and who cares about tradition right? or any of it? I'm doing this thing the way I want. I totally I love agree. Those stories. And that's how it should be. Um, I will be getting like the groomsmen at the bridal table. I'm gonna try. I'm going to attempt to build. Just go get like a shitty, like camping chair, but like the long one. But then use like cardboard, cardboard and silver paint, and, like build an iron throne. Nice. I would love for us to sit on that. Beautiful. And then, like, everyone has, like, all the men have drinking horns and all the women have, like, the goblets at our bridal party table. 
Like, it's just my poor friend that's planning it for me. I'm like, look, I don't know how to do any of this. (laughs) So here's what I want. (laughs) Please help me. You are not going easy on her. No, and cosplay is heavily encouraged. I'm putting that in the invitations, which I will be scrolls. I'm going to make, like, scrolls. Of course, obviously. Naturally. Can can we find some ravens to deliver them? I know, right? That's a tall order. Talk to your friend about that one. I mean, you have to train I need the ravens. Friends. I need ravens. <laughs> and you have to train them which houses to deliver to. Like yes. Hogwarts. Get started. Well, that sounds wonderful. And I actually found if a I... castle here to like hold it in. Oh, awesome. no way. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, like parents, especially moms, have an idea for how you know their kids' things should be how are your parents with this whole themed wedding and everything or are they pretty cool with it or shit they know i'm in deep at this point yeah. they're just going with the flow <laughs> you know? yeah, i awesome. mean you said your mom's making you a bride cloak the so. bridal yeah. the yeah. Cloak, sounds yeah. like she's all in these wildflowers and i'm gonna put the zelda green underneath it and that's so cool see my mom would be like she would do it for me but she'd she'd be super passive aggressive about it right yeah. like <laughs> She'd right. be like, oh, that's what, oh, that's what direction you want to go. Voice gets really high. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I, I was looking at some magazines, and <laughs> what do you think of this? They yeah. say bride cloaks lead to bad marriages. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want to reconsider the bride cloak? I just told, told Trevor, I was like, you know, I just can't have any, like, I'm sorry, but can't have no basic bitch wedding, you know? Like, it's just not me, and I wouldn't be happy, and I would look back upon it with scorn. Which is right. great for you, but other people that's... want the basic bitch wedding. Hell yeah, And they should awesome. have it. It's, yeah, it's and more go for just it. About, like, suits you, absolutely. They, right, it's more just what I, my, my main point was, like, just knowing who you are yeah. and doing what you want instead of just, like, going with the flow because I guess pink flowers are what's done. Or, you know, like... Right. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. My, my wedding was great, I, but I didn't care that much about most of those kinds of details. But, oh, uh, man. <laughs> but, but I wonder if I had if I had just been like, hey, let's do something different. Like, I don't know if Eowyn would have gone for that. Yeah. It takes two to tango in this wedding game. You can always, like, renew your vows and then have your, like, cool, silly wedding. Yeah, that's on. true. I'm trying to find someone here who teaches, like, courtly dances, because I want the bridal party to do one in, like, the reins of Castamere. (laughs) The little thing where they put their hands and walk around in circles. I want to walk down the aisle to Jenny of Old Stones, and there will be flowers in my hair. Nice. Oh, that's so cool. I'm in deep, guys. Could we make them blue flowers? Yeah. Fluoroses. Fluoroses. Always. Okay. Well, uh, we expect to we expect to see pictures. Pictures for sure. Um, I really need what I really need though is is a very close up picture of the the Lego walkway. I'm having trouble like imagining how intricate this is going to be because my kids play with Legos, and I know how they fall apart. So yes. I, I heard glue. I, I guess you know. Show me the craggle you use. I'm interested in. Uh, Show them all. How this happened? This is going to be this is going to be epic. This is going to be the wedding of the century. I I'm <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, fiance is way into Zelda and everything. How about you? Any other fandoms or interests that you have outside of A Song of Ice and Fire? I love Dragon Age. 
Oh. Um, I really love the books. I love the games. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the Witcher books. Um, I haven't played much. Trevor's super into Witcher, Elder Scrolls, like uh, Skyrim. I like Skyrim, but it's overwhelming. So when I get overwhelmed with the map and that, I go back to my safe space in Dragon Age. <laughs> so Dragon Age and Witcher, they were both games first, right? And then novels? Is that right? I, I believe so. But the Dragon Age books, it's it's interesting. They go kind of all over the map as far as time. Like oh, yeah. It's not really a series that's, that's connected. You know, you see like mm. Wynn in a few of them, but I don't know. It's weird how they do it. And then they've got like the half stories, the short stories. Hmm. So. Sounds more and more like the uh, Star Wars universe now. I was going to say Star Wars type stuff, just kind of jumping around under that all general umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I can't do any of those types of video games. It needs to be like Super Mario, left of the screen to the right of the screen, <laughs> and for me to be able to play it. But <laughs> Paperboy. <laughs> I I we recently got Steam, uh, and I've been really thinking about getting into like Skyrim or something like that. But I, I'm nervous. I I don't have time as it is. I'm nervous. That pay I attention fall to what you deep. you will, and pay attention to the food you craft because <laughs> you can make it in real life if you pay attention. Ooh. Like they've got these braided stuffed breads. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And you made I it. Could, yeah, I bet I could do that. It's delicious. <laughs> so good. Uh. So, um, speaking of successes, then you know something. What's something in your life that you're proud of? I am proud of my inner strength, I think, because my Mm. inner strength has made it possible uh, for my boys and I to come together and start over together and led us to where I'm at right now. I couldn't have done that if I hadn't stayed really strong. And so I think you know, modeling that for my boys is super important. Mm. And I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's, it's really plain that your relationship with your boys is super close. I, I remember commenting on one of our episodes a while, months ago, now, just that I was, one of my biggest fears is just, you know, losing my boys, like that they just don't want to talk to me anymore just because, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. And... And I remember you commenting afterwards, just kind of saying, you know, you're you're doing the things you need to do to make sure that doesn't happen. And you talked about kind of how you manage that with your boys. And that was really, it meant a lot to me that you reached out for that. And it, it's super clear that you were just very close with them. It's not, it's, it's great. It's yep. great. I love it. They're lucky fellas. Yeah, super apparent that inner strength too. I, you know, we're talking about John Con taking the world on his shoulders, right? And I imagine you felt that way for a few years, probably. Definitely. Right? Where your whole world is, those boys. And Absolutely. Always. Balancing that that provider aspect of emotional provider with actual physical provider. And that must have been really hard sometimes. So It was. Yeah. Very apparent, though, that uh, your strength of character, just from talking to you here about this silly stuff. So mm-hmm. very cool. Speaking of silly stuff, I mean, you mentioned Dragon Age already, Witcher. What's throw out a recommendation for us? A book or movie, band, something. something okay, that people got... maybe wouldn't something know. Something we need to check out, yeah. Okay, I've got a couple. 
Um, mm. So I just love the fantasy element of everything. Um, I started watching The Nevers on Hulu. And it's not based on a book. My first instinct when I watch a show is find the book, find the book. Um, hmm. But this is a show. What is the source are... material? Uh, yeah, none. It's it's maddening and and refreshing, but infuriating all at the same time. <laughs> because when I when I watched Shadow and Bone, I knew there were books behind it, and now I'm reading them all because they kind of take two trilogies and mash them together into a show. And hmm. I just need that. De- I need that backstory. Like I just, I'm you so hungry for backstory. Um, but yeah, the Nevers though, great show, really, really interesting. And season one just ended. Um, it's about all these, all these people that, you know, something happened in the world and they became the touched, and now they all have what they call a turn, which is a power essentially. Um, like one girl can see bits of the future. And she's super complicated. She loves to brawl and she sleeps around and she's just unashamed. And then there's like the mad, the mad woman, Malady, and they all have these crazy names. And I mean, it's just a fight between the touched and the untouched. And huh. it's riveting. Hmm. What, and it's on uh, HBO, HBO, right? Yeah. Is it HBO. All right. Okay. So, um, I did check out Shadow and Bone, and I, I actually oh, it was a good show. Um, have you guys seen New Mortal Kombat? No, no I have not. It's pretty good. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I've I didn't heard mind both. It. I've heard both things. Yes, um, I watched it with with my sons, and my fifteen year old's like, "If I don't hear a get over here, I'm gonna walk out of here." I was like, "Aw, he's a good boy. Look at you." <laughs> Let's go buy you a Slurpee. Yeah, right? You're coming along nicely. (laughs) But yeah, it's pretty good. Um, You know, I'm sure there will be another one, and hopefully they don't take that and run with it for flipping ever. But Mm -hmm. uh, Titans, if you guys have seen Titans, Titans, it's a, you know, Teen Titans, right? Oh, yes. So this is like an actual show, and you get like, you know, a couple of Robins in there, and... It's just more like Dove, Hawk, um, Beast Boy. Uh-huh. Cyborg has not been introduced yet, but that's another one my son and I are binging together. Um, but that's Teen Titans, I mean, that they've had a billion lineups. In, I know. In Teen Titans history. And they could pull anybody there. Where, where is that? I haven't even seen that. My boys are really big into the animated Teen Titans. I think they're Teen watching Titans Go. Amazon? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's really okay. good. Titans. Cool. Does look good. Hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get back to the chapter a little bit. Why did you choose this chapter? What do you what do you love about it? Oh, there's just so much information, and we finally see the Golden Company. I <laughs> love that we actually get some time with them, see their surroundings. You get descriptions of all the guys, how they're dressed. I mean, it's just it really is fascinating to me. And there's just so like the information dumps. I mean. There's so much we could talk about, and I, I mean, yeah. I would love to talk about Illyrio a little bit when we get further in, because he's been weighing on me. Ha! Huh? Sorry. Uh, oh. See myself. Cheesemonger. <laughs> but there's just so much to look at and turn around, and I just couldn't help myself. I was almost between this one and the chapter about the bread riots, because oh. um, I got lots of questions about that too. But this one, I just 
the whole Aegon element or Phaegon, whatever you believe. Yes. The Sarah, whatever. I just... Oh, I love Aegon's, Aegon's defining moment so far as well. Yes. Let's get to it. Shall we get to it? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We'll go in and we'll dive into our second part of our summary. Go ahead. Take us there, right. They are brought into a tent with the high officers of the Golden Company already embroiled in a war council. Some of the men that know him greet John warmly, but in others he senses trepidation. Caution. They might not all be welcoming to this plot, he realizes, or to a man that had stolen from his own company. Yeah. As the introductions take place, it is a who's who of Westeros who names both bastard and noble hills and rivers and flowers and strongs and peaks and coals, but also officers from elsewhere. A summer islander named Black Balak, a volunteering paymaster named Goris Adorian, and a Lysine spymaster named Lysono Mar. And then there's Harry Strickland, who uh, had aged poorly. <laughs> He's portly <laughs> with thinning hair. He, uh, he fails to rise as they enter. He blames blisters on his toes. And sure enough, they are ugly, requiring the same care one would give to ripe grapes. Uh, like when you wash them, not when you eat them, guys. Okay? Like, Don't ever eat them again. Nice. On this is not a foot fetish episode. <laughs> at least not I've never time. looked at grapes the same since this. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy them Regardless, more. he welcomed uh, a little bit. You just got to pat them. Yeah. Um, pat him dry. He welcomes uh, he welcomes the uh, John and and Halden and Aegon offers wine and then turns to Aegon saying, "And this must be your son." Griff is wondering how much Strickland really knew, but it mattered not. The time for secrets was done. No man could have asked for a worthier son, but the lad is not of my blood, and his name is not Griff. My lords, I give you Aegon Targaryen. Firstborn son of Rhaegar, Prince of Dragonstone, by Princess Elia of Dorne, soon with your help to be Aegon, the sixth of his name, King of the Andals, the Roinar, the First Men, and Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> A cacophony of praise. No, no, actually, the silence is deafening. <laughs> Some coughing, somebody pours a refill on their drink. I think it's possible someone was playing Gallagher in the background. It is crickets, you guys. There there are no mouths gape, no shock, no awe. They all knew. Strickland had to tell them when they reached the river in order to explain why they were just sitting around waiting there instead of taking on rich contracts they were being offered. Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, they'd turned down an offer from the Yunkish with rich promises of slaves for every member of the Golden Company uh, to be obtained once the victory was achieved in Marine. But Strickland admits that the company... Was meant to raise Danny up with Aegon when she came west, if only she'd do so. But he fears, with all the powers rising against her, she's not going to make it. That's right. Now they have no good way to meet up with her. There's no fleet to take them unless they accept an offer to fight against her. They could feign acceptance and join Danny when they arrive, but that would greatly damage a most unbesmirched reputation. And any other path besides ship is very unappetizing. Finally, Strickland tries to hammer the final point home. They'd honor the contract if they could, but they don't see how. Perhaps Magister Illyrio and his friends may have been unwise to put so much hope on this child queen. Then put your hopes on me, Aegon demands. I'm the only dragon you need. 
He implores them to sail to Westeros now with him, the true heir to the throne. Let his aunt come when and if she will. The men love this idea, each warming to it eagerly for all sorts of different reasons. Well, all the men save Harry Strickland. He opposes them at every turn, and John Con notes his temerity as cowardice. They won't trust Aegon's claim without Danny, and the boats there aren't any to get them to Westeros. Yeah, there are ships to go west, just not east, the men remind Strickland. And they don't need Daenerys, they say to Strickland. They can do it without her. Plus, the time is ripe with the Lannister attention scattered all over the place. With one last attempt, Strickland insists that they can't take Westeros alone. But Griff interrupts. We'll not be alone. Dorne will join us. They must join us. Prince Aegon is Aaliyah's son as well as Rhaegar's. Between that and the confidence that they'll gain, um, they'll gain support in the Reach, the men are Aegon's, swearing fealty and a line to go west with him without Daenerys in tow. Griff is proud of Aegon. He showed a side he had not yet seen, but they agree that until they reach, rest, reach Westeros, Aegon is meant to remain Griff. Alden is sent back to the Shy Maid to collect Duck Lamore and all their things. The task done, the road ahead full of peril, John Connington retires to a tent given him by Harry and wonders to himself if he has enough time left. Yes. Enough time to see Westeros again, to sit his seat in Griffin's Roost, to still the bells in his head reminding her of his failure of Rhaegar, to see Aegon crowned in King's Landing. Enough time for redemption before the Greyscale, whose work had already begun on his fingers, could finish him off. And that's the end of the chapter. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Well, a lot in there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with something a little silly. Just to get us off on a completely wrong mood. They note when they're introducing the members of the Golden Company that they each get a solid gold ring on their arm for every year of service. There are 10,000 members of the Golden Company. That means roughly 27 new gold rings per day. That's crazy. Needed to give them reward for their, you know, probably a few less for desertion and death and stuff. But basically, they need a bunch of new rings every day. And that's just silly. If Tormund were there, he wouldn't wear them on his arm. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they must get them wholesale from somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Well, they're they're sell swords, you know. They pillage and or they sack a city, you know. Take some treasures, melt it down, make some bands. Make their own. They probably maybe they have like a guy on retainer, like a ring guy. That's my point. Their job is to just make rings. They would have to. It's DIY on Pinterest. We, we got a ring guy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in on uh, Lizzie's route has a, a beer person. It's her. The Golden <laughs> Company has a, a ring guy. guy. A ring guy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He's mostly in uncut gems, but he does. Rings you you, <laughs> you, uh, you make a good point there, buddy. Hmm. Just Maybe it's just the captains so that get the rings. Or do they say every that, single person gets them? You know, that's a good point. Maybe. I feel like... Hmm, but I feel like it is like every member gets one. So. Yeah. Hmm. I thought so too. Hmm. 
Should we start with okay. Strickland? Yes. What a guy. Little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, tell is. us more. Tell us more. <laughs> He's just so frightened, you know? What's he doing leading this company? How did he get the job? I want to know. I mean, mm-hmm. I just yeah. I don't know. Coward. I, John Conn's pegged him. Uh, maybe literally. I, I think... Uh, Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, I think he's maybe a bit of a coward. You know, I don't think he's doing a lot of fighting, probably. But right. But I kind of think he just wants to take the contract with the Yinkish. Uh-huh. He really wants those thousand, what was it? Hundred, hundred, slaves. hundred virgins or whatever it was that he gets promised in the contract. Right. Like, I think he's just looking for every opportunity not to do this. And, I, you know, I'm not, I actually don't, his logic isn't that bad. Like, it's not an agreement he signed to begin with. It's this boy he's never met. He doesn't know anything about. He doesn't know what he's really made of. It's an heir not as interesting, you know, as Daenerys, who has Death Stars at her back. Right. right? It's a man that he never liked much coming back to, to, to seal the deal in John. right? True. They've already broken a contract. They're passing up lucrative contracts. Like, he's got a lot of reasons to say no. He does. It's just that, and like, they're not awful reasons. They're not bad reasons. I mean, I'm kind of on his side a little bit. Like, I can, I can get, like, he's in charge of making these financial decisions for ten thousand people. Yeah. Right. It's not a bad choice he's making. It's just, it's more like when the tide turns. He's he's just not very gracious about it. You know. <laughs> True. I had the same note of why why did he get this job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's true. You see how everyone else treats him? Um like Tristan Rivers just jumps in and is like, no, we're doing this. Yes. And, yeah. I don't know if that's how every decision is made in the Golden Company, but there's no like deference to their commander. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. nah, we're gonna do this. Yep, you, Aegon, you got me, buddy. I'm with you. I don't care what my commander general says, like. But I guess they don't need like a single inspirational leader. They're a pretty well-oiled machine. It sounds like. I mean, just yeah. look at their camps and everything, and the way that they yeah. set up. They need someone to sign contracts and run payroll and do that job that probably none of them really want to do, anyways. And yeah, there's some trappings to the job that might be appealing. Like they, the captains only get, what, 10 slaves and he'd get 100. But um, meanwhile, I mean, these other captains, they're still getting rich. They're still heavily influencing the Golden Company's decision. So when I think about it that way, it's like, yeah, it's probably not that big a deal that Harry Strickland is the commander or not that big of a surprise because they want a guy who's just going to handle, you know, those day-to-day logistics. And I get a feeling that Harry Strickland's fine with that. Like Skad said, I don't think he does much fighting. I think he's just fine hanging out in the back, signing the contracts, doing all the back end work and letting his captains and yeah, the other 10 K yeah. Drying his grapes. (laughs) I mean, they're they're, like, I think of it like in, in our modern terms, like there are lots of different kinds of CEOs, right? They're just like book nerd CEOs that are just like, Okay, I'm looking at the finances. I'm making the right decisions. I'm delegating some of this other stuff. I don't deal with sales. I'm just dealing with the finances. There are like face of the company kind of Elon Musk types that are out in front and leading with a you know a very you know very forward approach. There are 
guys that are more involved in sales or guys, you know, there's all sorts of ways to lead. And it seems to me like Strickland is, is kept this thing very efficient as they come through the camp. We didn't really note it in the first section, but as they come through the camp, it's noted how well it's put together and better you know, than he thought it would be. Yeah. Like you said, Matt, a well-oiled machine a bit, yeah. you know, Harry might have very little to do with that directly, but he's probably delegated that to people who are taking care of it. Right. So yeah. part of leadership is delegating and getting the right people to do the work. So I, you know, I don't hate Strickland as much as I think I did on previous reads, but he's That's still fair. a little bitch. He's still yeah. a little he bitch. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And yeah, we're seeing him in this room with Black Balak and Lasano Mar and all these guys. And it's kind of cool yeah. how Gurm paints. He kind of paints this different picture of what, at least in my mind, of what I think cell swords would be like these ragtag, gruff, like, Franklin Flowers types. I just imagine every cell sort is like Franklin Flowers, basically. Or like the wind yeah. loan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. But we get to see is... we get to see some of those other companies, right? And like yeah. I think it's meant to show a very stark contrast with this group that is very professional. Like you can see why they're the best. Yeah. And and professional and kind of like the only word I could think to put here in my notes is like exotic, kind of. Yeah. You know? Mysterious. He's... Mm-hmm. Intrigue. Not as yeah. exotic as the, uh, what is it, the crane ones? The, the ones that walk around on stilts? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kerm, what were you on when you were coming up with these? <laughs> the clanker lords? Right? The clankers. Come yes. on. Poor <laughs> bastards. Uh, they're tied together with chains. Uh, I blame that on George completely. <laughs> yeah, he, he had fun with that for sure, coming up with those ideas. He's um, like. Hey, uh, assistant, <laughs> call all my friends, bring them over, and a lot of alcohol. We're going to have some fun tonight, right? This, they're going to help me write this chapter. And Don't we're kid yourself. That was a peyote night. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be so original. <laughs> how, how, uh, so it's pretty brief. It's not like Aegon gives a, a big stirring thing, but how was how his, how was his pitch? One to ten, Lizzie? I mean, I would give it. I would give it a seven and a half, you know, like, especially yeah. in comparison with, like, big, big bucket wool, you know, like, I want to bathe in bullpen blood, like, though, that's an inspirational speech. And Aegon did well, yeah. though. I mean, it was his first, like, stand-up get-up, so, yeah. you know, way to, way to take the reins and, and inspire people. That's what they need to see. If they're going to follow him, they need to believe in him, so good on him. Yeah, in a very intimidating room, right? Like, yeah. Yes. There's a lot of big personalities in that room. And for him to jump in and just say that, you know, there's some, we kind of, we tend to focus on Aegon's, uh, you know, lesser virtues. Like when he flips over the Saivas table yeah. on Tyrion and everything, because he's so upset at losing. But it does seem like this guy has some intangible qualities, a real potential charisma you know, we later get in the Winds of Winter spoiler chapter or sample chapter spoilers. Sorry, I'll pause for just a second. Spoiler coming in three, two, one, um, where he talks about, uh, you know, how he was actually, is it at the end of Griffin Reborn where he says he's going to lead the um, I think it is storming of Griffin Storm's Reborn. End? Yeah. Yes. So not a spoiler. And yes. then in Winds of Winter, we get the Arianne chapters for right. And they're like, he's actually going to put on armor and he's going to lead the attack. So there's a charisma to Aegon 
that comes out here that's that's kind of cool to see actually yeah it makes you george does a good job of being like oh this stupid little kid sucks he flips over a table just because he loses a game and then you see him here and you're like okay kid's all right yeah i, yeah. I don't know i, I kind of like him like <laughs> seems yeah, cool yeah. To me. I've, I've always had kind of a kind of a rosier outlook on Aegon than, than most i think in the fandom not than all of them for sure but most He's got some of these, you know, petulant, petulant ways, but in the end, he's a prince that's entitled to a lot, and he hides that entitlement mostly pretty well. Like, he's mm -hmm. been waiting for this for yeah. 12 years, or, you know, as soon as he's old enough to understand, I guess, you know, 12, 14, 10 years or something. And, you know, he's taken his education, he's learned from these people, he's lived a very, you know, Humble. humble and yeah, not illustrious life for a prince and it seems like he you know he's willing to take take lessons and learn we do yeah. get the no i'm gonna lead it charge uh matt that you're talking about so he's starting to maybe i'm having it my way you know kind of behavior but i always kind of look at him more positively than most me I think too he's got actually a lot to offer. i like mm -hmm. it and it's like varies explains in the epilogue you know he's yeah. he's known hunger he's known fear he's known all of this and he's schooled he's educated he knows what's going on and you know that's a big advantage because man some of those kings yeah <laughs> well it's it's the it's it's the uh egg on the fifth argument right that you know egg went out on the road and had right. you know a tougher life as you know, a squire to dunk, and I'm not I'm not equating Aegon the Sixth's life to Aegon the Fifth's necessarily, but similar in a way, right? That they're yeah. they're not living the the easy prince life, and you know, I, I think Varys for sure he's got a flair for the dramatic, and he's overselling yes. it a little bit. Naturally, but, but 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 he is he's he's been trained to, to to lead, he's been trained to rule, and you know, I think there's something to it, and. You know, he sees on this moment that the language he uses is then put your hopes on me. After the line given to him was maybe they put too much hope in this queen, in Daenerys, this child, child queen. And so he comes up with that right in the moment, using that yeah. hope, that hope right. response, right? It's not like he had this all planned out. It was like in the moment, I'm responding to these men. I know what it takes to motivate, and here it is. Boom. Boom. Succinct, powerful, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, seven and a half, eight. It's pretty good. Yeah, you can tell he thought about it. Uh, of course, that's that's what Tyrion was goading yes. him to do all along, and you could tell that had definitely been on his mind. And um, he takes it seriously. I'm interested to see now how he does. I'm really interested to see this taking of Storm's End if it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, just hearkening back to Aegon knows all the right things to say, but you still think of the battle with the Stone Men and how he froze. You yes. know, yeah, when, when the actual going got tough and there were swords drawn um i mean it was intimidating being in the in the tent with the leaders of the golden company but they didn't exactly have swords to his throat or anything like that no so um so i'm interested to see like okay now put your money where your mouth is Aegon. you got a great mouth you're saying all the right things i'm interested to see has he learned from that lesson against the battle against the stone men did he, you know, has he overcome that fear or will he freeze up again? So. Yeah, we, we, we saw in the Brienne chapter we covered uh, recently in the Whispers, uh, 
what she had been taught about in a you know a single moment is all it takes. If you hesitate, that's all. That's yeah. all you got. You're done, right? Good point. And and he he hesitated here. Um, so the opposite then of 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 Aegon in this scene to me is is John Con, because so it, it feels a little bit. This is where the hair comes back into it. Uh, it's almost like he wanted to drop this bombshell and have it be this big moment, right? And then he gets nothing. It's crickets, <laughs> as I call it, right? Right. In summary. And, like, yeah. you almost sense that, like, he wanted this to be some rousing thing that he planned. And he doesn't get it. <laughs> fail. And he's disappointed. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, fail, yeah. And so then Griff does get it. Like, a half a page later, he gets it with this just this very simple line. And then the first thing that happens is John Con tears him down. He's like he's like, no, I don't what are you saying, lad? What are you what are you talking about? Hold on now. Like instead of like pumping him up and like supporting yeah. him and like, yes, this is this is the horse I rode in on or whatever. He's tearing him down and second guessing him. This is yeah. think that's do you think that's his pride coming back out? That I don't he know, maybe kind of his moment or maybe well, he coming... makes it he makes it seem like um, betray that he's upset because they knew before he told them. Yeah. But I do think there's pride. He's he's masking pride. I think that's really what he's angry about. Right. Maybe. Some, he's coming some back least. to his old guys that he was expulsed from their group for this lie that he's still humiliated over. And he wants to come back, I think, is kind of like the heralded savior, yeah. savior hero. <laughs> like, I got this guy. I got this plan. Like, I got this all figured out. This is going to be awesome. The Blackfire, or, or, you know, the Golden Company's going home finally. And then... Records match. Boom, boom. Yeah, the game show when they mess up. Yeah, it's... It's got to feel yucky for him. Even the hair thing. Like, why not wash the hair out? Maybe because he didn't want the hair to give it away. And so he's like, no, no, we'll he wanted blue, to do it. I, want oh. I, got, I got this whole moment planned, guys. Just leave the hair, okay? Gender right? reveal's gone wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Gender reveal's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ribbon. reveal's gone wrong. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is happening. He, he should have brought, brought a cake that he could slice open. Yes. Like, Eggs fall out or something. <laughs> Wildfire. <laughs> something. Wildfire. That there would be a gender reveal gone very wrong. Gone very wrong. So there's a line in here that it's pretty innocuous. Like, it probably doesn't matter, but they talk about, um, you know, the Dothraki. Like, we should be here and the Dothraki aren't here. They've decided to be elsewhere. Do you think that's a hint that they're gathering at um, based off rock, and that leads into Danny. That's where they all are. So that when Danny gets captured at the end of Dance with Dragons, they take her back, and it just so happens that they're all there. That totally could be. I hadn't are considered you, that. Are you? I, I feel like I missed the very beginning. So are you? Are you saying the ones that are gathered across the river are well, the same ones? Go ahead. All of them, like because they're they're saying you know the Dothraki are nowhere to be found, so. Horse, horses are way more expensive right now. Um, mm-hmm. They're all gone. You know, where do they go? 
that they're always there. Where are these? Yeah. These different hordes of or Kalisars that are usually prowling around Essos. Yeah. We're not seeing any, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That could I mean, indicate. It doesn't really matter either way, but I, I just wonder. You're talking about like maybe them like bringing her back. Well, if she gets captured or... and they take her back to Vastoth Rock because she's supposed to be there with the old crones. Yep. Um, maybe that's where they all are when she, you know, wants to gather the Kalasar, Kalasars, uh... Stallion who mounts the world, all of that. Yeah. Maybe that's a segue into that. That's where they all are. And that's where she's being. I taken. like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What happened, what's going to happen to Danny and where she goes and with what urgency is. Like, we have that whole battle of fire that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Right. But, but like, Danny's part to play and where she is. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think Aegon dies I, on a dragon. You think? Like, on a dragon. Mm-hmm. I think he and Danny meet up and. In Westeros? Yeah, I think like she, comes, they, she finally gets there. Either yeah. either he goes to her, but I don't. I mean, obviously he's going to Westeros, so she must be going there too. And by the next book, this knot must be untied. So maybe she gets to Westeros, and it's maybe too late. Maybe he's like already in it with Arianne, but maybe he's you know the dragon has three heads, and Rhaegar tells her that in the vision, right? He says the dragon must have three heads. So why couldn't those heads be Danny, Aegon, John, even? And maybe Aegon is killed. It like actually works out. The town, like everybody loves him. He claims a dragon. I don't know. It's definitely possible. I, 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 I mean, I feel like most of the fandom doesn't give Aegon's leash to be very long, like like long enough to last. Like they seem to think he's just going to be kind of like propped up to be to be killed or to be. You right. know, set aside by Danny, you know, to, to prove her her medal or something. I don't know. I feel like I feel like George has got something more interesting up his sleeve for Aegon. Oh, I know. More than just like mm-hmm. he's gonna get burned. I don't. I don't know why. I, I don't have any evidence or any like text pointing to it necessarily. Um, you know, even the, the the Mummer's Dragon thing implies that she's just gonna rip him apart, right? Right. Um, but I don't know. Or is he like the Mummer's Dragon? Varys was a Mummer. No, yeah, that's what I mean. She says, the the prophet says, beware the mummer's dragon. Beware the mummer's dragon. So she would see Aegon as the mummer's dragon and just tear him down, probably. But but I I just, I don't know. I've got to think that George has something more interesting in mind. Okay, George always has something more interesting. He's not going to throw away characters like they did on that stupid show. (laughs) Kill, (laughs) kill freaking Barris and the Bold in the back alley of some whorehouse. How dare you? Like. How dare you? Scad's, Scad's like, what? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It just, it just gets me so worked up. Like, the, throw, the way they threw characters away in the show, George, I think, respects each and every character that he writes, and I don't think it will yeah. be a meaningless death. I think, you know, there right. will be a consequence. Something will come of it. Something will be done before the death that will unravel after. Like, there's something there. Yeah. I, 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 I think he's going to do something of value, of meaning. Sure. I, I don't think he's going to get dispatched right away, but I I am in the camp of he's mainly something that is in the end going to be used to bolster Danny's character in some way. But I think there's something very emotional that could come of that. There could be something very much like if Danny 
thinks and continues to think that Aegon is actually her nephew and that she needs to get rid of him. That could be something very, you know, that could put her in a lot of emotional turmoil, you know, and have to be a decision that she doesn't come back from. Say she does decide, like, even though he's my nephew, I have to kill him because he's a threat to me and right. my destiny and my rule. Because he does have technically, I'm doing air quotes here, technically the better claim, right, yeah. Yeah. as the son of Rhaegar. And she's like, I've got to get rid of him if, you know, my whole purpose for coming here is to be queen the throne is mine that means i've got to knock off my nephew that i think could you know be emotionally significant enough to make his you know what we're talking about is we want his character to mean something and i think it could mean something doing yeah. that yeah well you're right it's hard for me to it's hard for me to accept that danny's just going to kill him off there's yeah. there's so many seeds laid early about her need for family we've talked about this before but just her need for family and the fact that even though Viserys was terrible mm. to her, you know, she still clung to that because it was the family she had. And now all of a sudden she's got this nephew that that is, you know, a good, reasonably a good kid from what we know, right? And can be part of that family that she never knew. Now, if he ends up being fake, that could also be some of that interesting value you're talking about, Matt, where it like fooled her for a time and then right. she finds out the truth and she's like no you're burning now and the dragon awakes yeah yeah, yeah. I, would, I think that could be it too go ahead liz well i would think that the implications of her killing him so in winds right now he's pretty busy building an alliance with dorn whereas mm -hmm. danny is sending back the bones of a prince of dorn now if yeah. he builds an alliance with dorn in her absence and then she kills him what's <laughs> dorn gonna do yeah true true yep good point oh you're bringing up the good stuff and even back to your original point about or your um prediction or little theory of of him dying on a dragon that could provide some emotional significance as well that she does like scad said come to view him as family and it's like finally i have somebody somebody i'm related to by blood and i love you Aegon, and i want you so bad to be by my side whether as a whether it's a husband or just to have some family around and then he dies on a dragon you know one of her dragons maybe maybe, maybe one of her dragons turns on him maybe one of the dragons oh maybe the dragon dies because he messes up right yep. Aegon leads the dragon into something and it ends up and one of her dragons dies right I, all of that could i mean that would be tragic and awful but all of it could add that emotional gravity that we want his character to carry yeah now we think danny's womb is quickened again right yes i think she miscarries it in the end of a dance of dragons we think maybe but i don't think it's yes. super yeah. clear i had to like remember so. but her cycle's yeah. off it's not the time for her to have her moon's blood and so the fact that she's bleeding that heavily when she's not even due for a cycle means she's miscarrying could be maybe yeah uh i i wondered I wondered whether maybe she sees Aegon as, since her womb is, you know, supposedly, you know, not not Ruthless capable husk. of producing. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not sure that it is now based on what right. we're seeing, right? Right. But but if she believes that still, based on the prophecy and everything, and she's she doesn't understand how all this stuff really works super well, or she's having regular doctor consultations, you know, mm -hmm. 
maybe she would see Aegon as a way to pass the Targaryen right thing along, right? Like she says with, it herself, the line ends not with me. herself, with so, right. Yeah. So she doesn't want the line to end, and she Good can point. see Aegon as family, and he could be an option to keep that going through some mm-hmm. other bride, which you know brings us maybe to Arianne or, or someone else. But. You know, she's sleeping her way into that crown. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. He's like, I got a casting I, couch. I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to talk about it a lot on Sunday, I think. Uh, yeah. casting couch. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sad that I understand that reference. We're all there, buddy. We're all there. Uh, the references uh, have been strong this episode. <laughs> You've done well, Lizzie. Uh, we are so far off the beaten path. I know. I you it. said you said you wanted to talk Illyrio, Lizzie. You want to talk Illyrio? Yes. So while we're clear off this path, let's while just we're stay off there the path, yeah. yeah, let's let's go back okay. to Cheese Man. Cheese Man cometh. So what we know not is that way. Not, not that way. Not that that, too, not though. without Sarah's <laughs> hands. Oh wait. Mm. Oh, he still has the one. I was gonna say, do you think he uses the no? You only no, need not one. Not gonna go there. Not gonna go there. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that. We know that Danny and Viserys lived with him for half a year, nigh on half a year, and he mm-hmm. was under the impression, we're under the impression that he's trading Danny for 40,000 Dothraki screamers, but as Danny and Drogo go into their marriage, it seems like he never had any intention to do that. Like, he didn't, he didn't get on that idea until someone tried to kill her, and then we find out that Illyrio has had Aegon supposedly for years so like what what was he doing what was his end game he already had Aegon fluffed up and ready to go and then he's like backing the series and then he's I, I just don't I'm wondering I'm just trying to wrap my head around you know what was his what was he doing yeah it's a great question so I, I think uh it could be some uh a, a little from a lot of columns uh, Illyrio is is a successful businessman, and maybe he's trying not to put all of his eggs, not literally, in the same basket. He's got Danny's dragon eggs and egg on, uh, and he's got multiple baskets he's dealing with. Um, but I think we have to look at uh, the way I've always looked at this is that what he originally saw Danny as and Viserys was delivering an army for. Aegon, which was a secret to them that they didn't know yet, that, that Danny and Viserys didn't know about. But really, they were going to come across and they were going to uh, be in support of Aegon. Because I think Aegon has always been his number one point. Talk especially about if you all your Aegons in one basket. <laughs> especially yeah. if you back the Blackfire theory of this, what yeah. Illyrio and Varys really want is, is Aegon on the throne, if he's secretly a Blackfire. Now, I think when Danny hatched the eggs, Illyria was like, now hold on. Let's, uh, let's see what our options are, right? Let me send you Belwas and, and uh, Whitebeard and let's see what this whole situation's about. And now he's, now he's like, I mean, I, I won the lottery. I don't know what to do now. I had, you know, I had this whole business model set up, but now I won the lottery. What do I what do? I do, I do? Um, but it's a lottery ticket he can't really cash, Mm-mm. you know. Yeah. So, so it's 
it's it's certainly interesting. I feel like originally the plan was I will use Viserys and Drogo to get an army over for Aegon to supplement the Golden Company. That makes and, sense. And when the eggs hatched and Viserys died, he was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah. What do I do now? I can't just ignore this. This is pretty great. Yeah, I, I, I think there it's a theory somewhere that I read, um, but I couldn't reference it, unfortunately, of the idea that maybe you bring Viserys and Danny over with their Dothraki screamers to just cause absolute havoc in Westeros, mm. right? Which they would do. Um, kind of prepare the way to actually bring in Aegon as a savior. Save them all. And, and to save them all from Danny, because Danny and Viserys, they come over with the Dothraki. I can't imagine they'd be super well liked. And I wonder if no. Illyrio is thinking that too. That like, oh, this invading, this is crazy. Like, no one's gonna like Danny and Viserys with their forty Dothra, forty thousand Dothraki screamers. And then Aegon comes in and with the Golden Company or whatever and wipes them out. Uh, that could be something too, and all of a sudden Aegon looks like this savior figure for them. Oh man, that could be. And then, but I do like the idea of uh, once the dragon eggs hatch, Viserys dies, and everything. Illyria goes, "Oh wait a second, hmm, yeah. I could bring these two over together, and that could actually be even better, right? You've got this strong Targaryen princess with three dragons." married to the son of Rhaegar Targaryen. This is perfect, right? Power couple. Mm-hmm. I think my I think my theory I, I like what you're saying, Matt. I think my theory is dead wrong. Because the original contract signed twelve years ago was that they were going to go in support of Danny. Right? Mm-hmm. Before Viserys died, before any of that. Is that right? That's mm. They say that in this chapter. It was in the summary there, where he's like, uh, oops. first the plan was supposed to be that we were supporting this dragon queen. Yeah. The first plan from from forever ago? So, yep. But it that implies like he never change. even was supporting Viserys. He was always supporting Danny. This feels like this feels like a hole in the writing to me. Or, I don't know if it's a hole in the writing or just Illyrio being coy and not revealing his intentions completely, even to the Golden Company. But he talks about the contracts written in blood rather than ink. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be one of those things. Yeah. Man. I've so, also... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm changing the subject. So go ahead and finish this one up. Oh, it was just a stupid... <laughs> Something I, you know, like Aegon's parentage, how some people think he's like Illyrio's son. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't like that one. No, that's kind of where I was going to go. Is is kind of the whole Blackfire theory and Illyrio being Aegon's son? What don't you like about it? I don't know. It's really petty. <laughs> I'm just like, ew, he's sloppy. I love petty. I hope I he's not petty. that that guy's son. That guy, ew, <laughs> really let himself go. <laughs> What's Aegon gonna be like? No, right? Is that your future? Is he gonna become Aegon the Fourth someday? Like, I mean, Aegon I the Eight Stone. Oh, the, oh, Aegon the Eight Stone. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I don't think anyone's saying Illyrio's, you know, great. I He's clever though. Yeah. I I I like the Blackfire theory because I feel like it makes sense. I don't want it to be true, but I mm. but I I I like the merit it has in Zelda. I do too, just... and I hope they solidify it with Dark Sister. I just want to see the sword come back. Ooh. You know, either of the Black yeah. uh, Dark Sister or Blackfire. Blackfire, yeah. You know, Blackfire. both of them yeah. ended up in Blackfire hands, right? What Dark Sister was was lost at the God's Eye uh, when right um, when Damon and uh, One Eye went down, but has since been confirmed by George. Uh, that it went north, right? That it, it's yeah, it's up at the wall or maybe beyond it. I don't remember whether he was specific. Um, my my theory is that that Blood Raven uh, left it at the wall, but. Um, but I don't know that for sure either. Um, Blackfire, though, I think we, but Blackfire, we have no idea yeah. where it is. Got to see it, right? Like feels, that would, that feels... would be as strong as bet. If you don't have dragons, bring on Blackfire. And yeah, it feels that like that's a rifle not on the wall that should be. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it gives it gives a reason for. Illyrio to have this vested interest in Westeros. I think we've talked about it and probably plenty of other sources and fans have talked about it too, that like really Illyrio's reason for wanting, having an interest in Westeros is so he could be made the paymaster or whatever, the master of coin. Yeah, really? That's right. what a guy that rich wants? Yeah. No. It's not nice what try. he wants. There's something else going on. Yeah, for sure. And and something that's, you know, that significant to him. Uh blood related right is um that could be it so um do we have maybe listeners that don't know what the blackfire theory is the egg on blackfire should we sum it up we, if you think you can just briefly well i don't know that i can i'm gonna time I, I you you have 12 seconds <laughs> nope nope <laughs> i mean in a nutshell it's that Aegon is not Aegon the sixth it's called the Aegon theory sometimes that Aegon is actually the son of Illyrio, uh, and that this is all a ruse, that he is not actually at all who they say he is, that he's son of Illyrio and a Blackfire, that Illyrio himself was a Blackfire as well, um, and that this is all, the involvement with the Golden Company now makes even more sense, because they're always a Blackfire-led group, that they're trying to place Aegon as, on the throne as on the Blackfire line, which has always been since, you know, since 200, you know, that's what they've been trying to do. Yeah, so. yeah that, uh, um, you know, the Blackfire line, the male, it, it makes a point in the text that the male line of Blackfires was wiped out. Yet Damon Blackfire had at least two daughters. Yes. Right. In addition yes. to all his, he had like seven sons or something like that. So the line could have continued through them. And uh, like Illyr they're saying that Illyrio's wife or mistress or whoever, Sarah, Sarah. could have been one of those. She's right. described as having Targaryen features, which also she's from Lys. And so and they so is... tend to have those eyes well, and hair and everything. And let's not forget who who's uh, Jahiri's daughter ended up in Lys in a like running a pleasure a pillow house empire. Yes, she did very well over there. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So who knows You're if right. she sprouted? 
you corrected me properly, Matt. There, Illyrio wouldn't have been the Blackfire; it would have been Sarah. Yeah. Right. But still, he married into the fam, man. Yeah. So. Yep. He took her last name. <clears throat> <laughs> but I already monogrammed the towels. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now our towels say Ib, <laughs> Blackfire, Ib, no. <laughs> and I started thinking deep about Miles Toyne past the fact that he looks like, probably looked like the guy on the Mad Magazine covers. Um, <laughs> yes. Talk about his big ears and stuff. Uh, he probably, he'd been around for a while by the time John Connington came along, which probably means he fought in the War of the Nine Penny Kings meaning that he was fighting to put Maley's on the Iron Throne. That's nice. what he was fighting for, yep. who was a Blackfire. He was an awful guy, obviously, but he was a Blackfire. So it makes sense that Miles Toyne, who was around for this whole contract, apparently with Illyrio in the first place, would be a Blackfire supporter rather than a Rhaegar Targaryen's line supporter, right? Yeah. It yes. would make sense that he would be behind this Blackfire thing because it's something that he'd already fought for, potentially. Right. We don't have confirmation he fought in the War of the Nine Penny Kings, but, you know, that's pretty likely. I Yeah, I feel like Toyn is a good... Uh, he, he's a good kind of stand-in for the feelings of the company as a whole. Right. They have all The Golden Company has always been about the Blackfires. And, you know, as the years go on, that that loyalty probably wanes a little bit um, right which maybe generations with strickland mm -hmm. yeah generationally eventually it kind of will maybe die out but they make a point you know all these names that come from the reach like these are all names that supported the blackfire rebellion and um they're still they're still hanging on to it right yeah. you wonder how many of them care that much about the blackfire blood anymore but it's in their past it's in their history and so yeah you gotta think it still means something. Well, I think it means more that, like, a lot of the Golden Company are men that were driven from Westeros, right? When yep. the Blackfire Rebellion was taken down each time. Yes. It's fucking yep. peaks. <laughs> but um, some of these men, they want to reclaim their lands. They want to come home. Yes. You know, it talks about it. They they want to go home. And so, if this Even kid shows up and says Targaryen, yeah, they don't care. They want it back. <laughs> yeah. They're taking it. So, and you know, Frank Flowers, as long as I get to kill some fossilways, like they just, they want their vengeance. They want their lands back. They want their names back. So, you know, as to whether or not they believe this is truly a Targaryen, it's like, is he a real Targaryen? Oh, lands and gold. You know, I just, mm, yeah, you that's got true. it, buddy. We're yeah. behind you. Yep. 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 In the end, this is what we want, which aligns nicely to what John Connington wants, uh, I mean, he's very prideful in wanting his lands back, his name restored, all that stuff. So it actually makes sense. I think John kind of sees himself as a man apart from the Golden Company in a way. But really, yeah. he's pretty wrapped up in the same motives and everything, which yes. I hadn't thought about till you said that. Very cool. Peek says that, like, we still have friends in the Reach. Do you really, though? Do like, you ever? Did you <laughs> ever, Peek? How long is it? It's like when, you know, it's I lived in Brazil. 
I lived in Brazil for a couple of years back in 2004 to 2006. And still I find myself talking like, well, in Brazil, they do it this way. Like, <laughs> Matt, Matt, it was like 20 years ago that you were in Brazil. How much are you really the premier expert on Brazil and how it is right now? And it's kind of like Laswell Peak. The Peaks haven't been in Westeros for what, like 100 years? Yeah. How... How how much do you really know about the friends you still have in the reach? Like, is there still correspondence that's been going on for a century between yeah. you and your friends, friends over in Westeros? Like, yeah, right? it's kind of the same thing. They're living this. They're living this world that's that's full of like slights and you mm -hmm. know some of them even imagined, but like things where they deserve to have their land and their names back, like yes. you said, Lizzie. And they presume, I think, that some of the people that are still in Westeros. That didn't get punished and don't have those slights as near the surface like eustace osgrey had them right but that was 86 years ago or something right, right. so like they're not all gonna be as bitter as you still are holding on to yeah. you might find some friends but i don't know that they should count on them that much yeah no. they're also they're also counting on dorn john john connington says dorn will join us must join us must right? join us uh, you know because Aegon is, is Elia's son, right? So it makes sense. But have you met Doran? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, I mean, and he hasn't, I guess, is the lesson. But, like, he's not going to jump into anything that's uncertain. Like, counting on him to be, like, the first standard bearer to join you is not a good plan. Because he's going to wait and be like, who, who else Who else you got coming? Yeah. Oh, you're inviting me to a party? Who else is on the guest list? Is Molly going to be yeah. there? Is uh, yeah. is Jason going to be there? No. Who said maybe? You know, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Who's on the maybe list? Add me to the maybe list. <laughs> I'm a solid maybe. Yeah. I got this other this other commitment uh, called yeah. Danny that might show up. Mm. So I'm I'm a maybe. Yeah. Although he he does put a lot of uh, uh, trust, almost unexpected trust in Ariane in those Winds of Winter chapters, right? Yeah. Where he, He's like, go and figure it out, and it's in your hands, sis. And then we'll talk. Yeah. You mean Doran does? Doran does, yes. Yeah. Did I say someone else? No, you just said he, I, and I didn't know what he meant. Yeah. Classic before. mad ambiguity. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the, yep, he, he does. And again, more, more stuff I'll be talking about on Sunday. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, you were going to say something. Before I started talking about the peaks, Gad, I was. Oh, I think it was yeah. my Dorn point, okay. which it all it all wraps together nicely. It's all assumptions they're making about what what it's going to be like when they get there. Which, you know, I don't I don't know that that's fair. Ooh. If they're take if they're taking Storm's End, that's where the Estermonts are for one. Robert's grandparents, Robert and Stannis's grandparents, and I mean also Davos's wife is there. Man. Right. I Wait, Davos' wife is at Storm's End? Well, she's not at Storm's End, but she's in that general area because oh, she's, she's Lord yes, of the Rainwood. Rainwood. So if they're taking yeah. all the surrounding castles. I always imagined they were somewhere on Cape Wrath. Davos they are. And his family. are they, they are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. where the Golden Company, like Lizzie's saying, is invaded. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have confirmation that they took over the keep of House Seaworth, but you have to wonder right. if you wonder if they are. Yeah. And she might even think he's dead. At her door, right? And if she thinks yeah, Davos is dead, to her. 
Yeah. You know, she might forsake Stannis. Yeah. That'd be really interesting to see. Would be. Yeah. And if Davos, who is actually alive, finds yes. out that his keep was taken, you know, and his wife and kids are in danger. Yeah. What does he do? Because he already feels so much guilt for not knowing his two youngest sons anyways. Like... Is it going to be one of those things where like, well, I didn't get to know them anyway, so they're gone now. I got to well, support Stannis. Or is it going to be like, holy crap, I got to do right by him. I, you know. We're way off the rails now, but what else? Well, I mean, like, realistically, what could he do? He's got one ship on loan from Manderley to go pick up Rickon, and he finds out, and he's going to take his one ship and storm his own castle. He's Dispatch not exactly Manderley. a fighter. I think Dude, his best chance things, is... Man. <laughs> I you know, do but... weird things. It's like Jon Snow when he finds out Eddard's captured and he starts riding. He forsakes the Night's yeah. Watch for that hour that he rides and before yeah. his friends go and pick him up. Like, what's he going to do, honestly? Right. He's going to have but Manderley make goes. some meat pies. But it was an hour and he turned back. Davos would have yeah. a many-week sea journey. It'd be like in uh, in Monty Python when the guy's running at the castle. Oh my God, we just watched that again just, the other night. He's just yes. running forever with the music <laughs> playing. He's just running forever. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, Davos would be running forever on this. So you have trip. a horse. I think he'd. I think he'd realize a few hours in, like this isn't going to work. Point it's me out. and Rickon on this boat. What, mm -hmm. Like I bet I'm better off delivering Rickon and trying to get an army at my back to negotiate or something. Right. Uh, and and maybe we see some like Davos, uh, just going nuts though with fueled by vengeance or something that would be kind of interesting to see he would do something in the dead of night ruin them from within yeah going so anti davos right yeah. shadow Coming baby davos anti hero yeah <laughs> he's like melisandre can you teach me the shadow baby thing <laughs> could i do it is that something i could do fires burn hot within me <laughs> I don't know how much more you guys have. I, I've got. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about John and his grayscale and yeah, we do he, need to where talk his grayscale. head's at. Yep. Because yep, let's do it. Well, do you like? Do you think anything will actually content John? He gives this laundry list at the end of all these things he wants to see before he goes. But like, I don't think he's ever really going to be happy, even if he gets to do all of those things. I feel like he's still going to be discontent. Yeah. He's just, he's so, he's so mastered by his own past. Right. But, you know, like I tell my boys, like you can't worry about the past. Like it's done. All you can do is remember it and fix it. Your behavior learn for the it. future. Yeah. Right. That's and, how we learn our lessons. This is how we learn. You know, but, but it's John like. John is uh, stuck there. He's, he's just stuck there. He is stuck there. But I think Bearson Selmy said, I don't think Rhaegar had it in him to be happy. And I think that kind of speaks to John too. He just doesn't have it in him to be mm. happy because he failed his prince and that's what he's feeding on. For yeah. Forever and ever. Because Rhaegar's not coming back, no for matter what. Right. Forever. Even putting Aegon on the Iron Throne. For, he said until, forever. <laughs> and, it's you know, Elaria's yeah. speech, right? In All the, these things uh, won't yeah. bring back. You make a good point. I'm remembering, yeah. I'm remembering the Griffin Reborn chapter of, you know, he gets his keep back. He gets Griffin's roost back. 
And it's, I remember reading this for the Radio Westeros episode. And he says, it's, I can't remember the exact wording though. It's something like, and just like that, John Connington was a lord again. Was a lord again. And then it just, and then it just goes on with his musings and ruminations and all that stuff that he does. And like, that was a major thing that he wanted that he talks about in this chapter and in other chapters of like, I need to put Aegon on the Iron Throne. I need to restore my name and I need to get my land back. You, you did that, man. You did one of those things. Like that's a big deal. Check it off the list. That's one thing that you've really been wanting. And it's like, just like that, he was a Lord again, but I still got all this. Right. Yeah. So to your point, He's still, he, he can't just bask in the moment for a minute no. and feel fulfilled, yeah. you know? Right. So. He does, I don't know whether it's just uh, what it is. He did, when I was reading that chapter just before the recording, he does feel a little calmer than he feels in this chapter. Sure. Yeah. Like right. he's, yeah. he's not just like, I trust nobody and nothing's going to work. And he feels so angsty and just like, anxious and nervous in this chapter and that one he does seem a little bit more like yeah it went pretty well got my castle back i'm not gonna kill my 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 cousin's kids you know like he's a little he seems a little bit really pissing me off my father's (laughs) gonna kill you (laughs) and he's like go to your room (laughs) but 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 you're right i'm I'm not sure he's content he's just maybe like you know he's a little a little less and maybe 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 that's maybe that's actually a good thing maybe he's like okay i can't get too caught up in this moment yes i got my land back but i still have stuff to do so you know now that i talk through it maybe it's actually a testament to him kind of getting his head on straight and being like all business like yes i'm a lord again yes this is cool but i still got a lot more to do on my list so check this one off maybe i'll go look out over the battlements for a minute but then it's yeah. you know it's back to work. So right. the more I talk through it, maybe it actually is a testament to him kind of locking himself in. But I don't know. But, but you aren't you aren't wrong though either because the first thing he does after he gets that check mark is he does go up and regret the bells and regret the Rhaegar stuff. Yeah. So and it's st- he's still stuck. He's think still about how like, Rhaegar was there and he's like, oh, this is gonna be mine someday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everything the light touches. Everything is uh-huh. your and then, of course, he, he trashes Elia. <laughs> she sucked, man. Yeah. She's she sickly. She, was, she ain't a woman. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Scott, I feel like we're misleading or we're verging away from some probably good points that you were going to make. <laughs> no, no, that was it. Just just that he's okay. just that he's stuck in the past. The, you know, yeah. the Ilaria thing, too. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. None of this is going to change the fact that you in your mind, spectacularly failed and were the cause of the death of the one you were in love with. None of that's changing, right? Like, nothing you do. And so, mm-hmm. he's just stuck there. I don't think he's ever going to be, even if he checked off all the three things that he talks about, or four things, or whatever he it is, he's never going to get to the happiness. Yeah, and maybe maybe he's go, his goal isn't happiness, maybe. but um, Do you think his grayscale will be cured somehow? Hmm. I don't... Ah, that's a good question. I don't know if his pride would ever lead him to even reveal that he has the gray skill in the first place right. to like open himself up for the cure. You know, I was reading back some previous Tyrion chapters and Halden 
after Tyrion goes in the water in the battle yep. against the stone men, he goes through that whole thing of making Tyrion touch all his fingers right. and yep. poke him with a knife. And Halden tells him to cut off any infected digits right away. Right, right away. Cut If you see any black, cut off the finger. Maybe it'll help, but maybe it won't, but at least he tried. John's not doing that. Nope. He's not, I mean, it's still, it's still just, it's still just spread just to like the first knuckle on one finger, right? Cut yeah. that thing off. Bad wine. Go I know, it worked for Davos. It made him cleaver. famous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting that John does it, and I wonder, that's just me making the point that maybe it's pride getting in the way and him not well, wanting to is. admit that he got grayscale, and so he's not going to do anything, or maybe he's keeping it there as a reminder to himself of the urgency of his situation, that he needs to do this. He's, like, resigned himself to his death because he right. thinks that it will spur him on and keep him motivated. Yeah, this know, is, but... maybe it's it's his version of walking into the winter, uh, like the the clans in the north, oh, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The clan members uh, in the mountains. See the girl and, and he's just like, I'm going to stay myself and I'm going to keep keep myself whole, but I'm giving myself to this. I'm, I've am i lived my life kind of a thing. I think it's... Um, Sorry, I think at some point he contemplates that he can't reveal it because any sign of weakness... Yes. He does mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. The pride thing. Yeah, the pride thing. Well, it's also just like a, a logistical ally thing. Any sign of weakness will make people abandon the cause. Yeah. He th- but I think he's got, but that is pride in some in some way, Matt. Maybe that's what you meant. Because I think he's got an outsized impression of how important he is to this endeavor at this point. Yeah. And, and that's what he wants. Like I said, he wants to bind himself yeah. to Rhaegar, right. even if it's through memory, right? Yeah. He wants to be known throughout Westeros and throughout history as that guy that put Rhaegar's son on the Iron Throne. And if it's found out and discovered that he has grayscale, they're going to sequester him away. They're going to lock him up. He's going to go to the equivalent of a leper colony, whatever, so that he doesn't become patient zero for grayscale there in Westeros. And, you know, and his legacy will be nothing. No one will remember him, at least in his mind. And... (sighs) He can't abide that. I wonder if grayscale is transferred via droplets, touching similar surfaces, or aerosol components. <laughs> Just blow dry it. Put heat on it. It'll go away. It's fine. Drink bleach or, yeah, you know, drink you household it. cleaner. Hashtag Tide fine. Pod Challenge. Here's grayscale. <sighs> you guys got more here? What do you got? You know who I feel bad for. Yandri and Ysilla uh, the Tilla. No. Let's do it. Ysilla the Tilla. He's, he's, like, he's like, their job here is done. Tell them that they will not be forgotten when Aegon comes into power yeah. or whatever. He forgets them. These guys, he, they've been there for 12 years, theoretically, right? Been there the whole time that Lamor and Halden and everyone else. And now you're just like, you're done. Bye. You don't even get to say goodbye to Aegon. Bye. You've been as big a part of this as everyone else. Your part in this is done. Go and do whatever you do. You know, they're orphans of the green blood. So did they go back to Dorne? Like, if I were Yandri and Yasilla, I'd be like, what? Yeah. We've been ferrying you around for over a decade, and yeah. that's what we get? That we're Not even done. a severance, like, severance package, you bitch? <laughs> yeah, it's an IOU is all it is. Like, yeah. I feel bad for him. Like, you'd yep. think they could have at least given them... 
a bunch of that silver that they got. Yeah. You know, in the credits. Yeah. I mean, I don't like I don't a, know. a chance to like say goodbye like... to them. <laughs> to or Aegon. do they care? It, it very much feels to me somewhat like a dysfunctional family. Like, yeah. do they even care about each other? But I feel like this is where Brooke would come and be like, guys, you really don't want George to go into all that detail for these things that don't matter. Like, they've been paying <laughs> Yandri and Yasilla several golden dragons a month. They're fine. <laughs> You don't need They're to fine. hear it. Like, yeah. You know, like, that's what Brooke would say right now. They've been 401k matching this whole yeah. time. Like, yeah. They're going to be fine. Like, yeah, it's, it's a one quarter, one quarter match. It's been fun. Yeah. 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 To me, Sked, you've brought this up a couple of times, how it doesn't seem like they like each other. To me, it comes off as people that have been stuck together for 12 years in a very confined space. That's what it comes off to me. Yeah. And like, they're just irritated to the core with each other. They've been yeah, quarantining at the house. Oh. Yep. Yeah, we know how it leave. goes. The yeah. people you love all of a sudden become the people you detest. Yes. Yeah, had that but... nice trip to the Summer Isles prepared, and then... And then this yeah. whole plot kicked in and I couldn't go and now I'm just stuck together. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they're excited about this. I'm feeling bad for them, but maybe they have had like, they're just waiting for that trip, you know? Yeah. They're like, like the kids are going to college. Go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're yes. free. We're going to Mexico. Honey, pack your bags. We're going. <laughs> so, okay. Now you got me wondering all about the last 12 years. Have they just been going up and down the river for twelve years? I put that note down because I couldn't Andrew find and an answer to that. River people, right? Like they're yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't really say what's been happening. There's one line that I found where Tyrion says they've been living on a pole boat for the past dozen years, and that yeah. Tyrion says that. But nowhere did I find out like Illyrio saying, "We've been, you know, I've had this kid squirreled away on a pole boat." Could it have been? And yeah, are they just like going up and down, like doing a big circle? It's not like, the safest life. We no. got to the bottom. Now we're going to sail back <laughs> up and then we're going <laughs> to sail back down and then we're going to sail back up. Like, or or was it that they've been living with maybe Illyrio or Illyrio's had them in some safe house somewhere where they've been yeah. doing all this stuff? Halden's been there. Lamore's been there. Or both. They haven't been on the river. Yeah. And they've been, yeah, maybe. And then it's just when they needed to start sailing south to meet North. up with Danny. Oh. Right, from Pentos down to Yes, okay, I see. Volantis or wherever the original plan was, we're to meet up that they contracted with Yandri and Yasilla, which would mean that Yandri and Yasilla have been only Don't been with care. them for a matter of months. Yeah. Right. Um so there's that possible but I I don't know if you two found anything different, but I couldn't find anything uh -huh. that talked about where Aegon, Griff, you know, Halden, where they've been like hanging out other than that one line from Tyrion, which I don't know if he's, you know, reliable. I have always assumed they just lived on a pole boat. But now right. looking at him like that doesn't make any damn sense. I thought at it one point Aegon safe, lived like, Illyrio. Pirates. Yeah, when he was really young, right? Mm. Which is why they had the, you know, the theorized chest of kid clothes that those uh, clothes yeah. belonged to Aegon yeah. when he was right. a child. What about right, pirates? What about hmm. them? Yeah, you, well, you're I like, just, damn, that, like, that could have been a thing. Stay away from the stepstones. Well, 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 I just mean on the river, like sailing. Yeah. If, if they're sailing up and down that river over and over and over again, there's pirates, there's the stone men. It's just, it's not the safest life. Like, if he's really trying to protect, you know. You've and got a manse pretty... that's big enough. 
Yeah. Well, and he seemed like, reluctant. Like, like Aegon seemed reluctant when they went under the Stone Man, the bridge, uh, the Bridge of Sorrows. Like mm-hmm. he froze, yeah. like you said, he froze. So he's obviously not used to that. Yeah. Passing probably. Right. You're right. Yeah. The more and more I think about it, I don't think they were living on a pole boat. At least not sailing. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Because they would have been more familiar with it. Yeah. With the Bridge of Sorrows and everything. Illyrio 100% could have hidden them away just in his own house, I think. Like, like yeah. totally. Put them in a, the mother-in-law's apartment. I don't know. But... Yeah. Or had a safe house somewhere that was pretty well, there you well go. protected. You heard it here yeah. on Davos Fingers first. Yeah, it is they an interesting thing that's never explained. Years. Tyrion was wrong. Tyrion's wrong. What? And maybe there's something out there. And if there's something out there, I know one of our listeners will find it and will point it out to us. They're very good at that. Let's hope so. But, yeah. Um, I think that might be all I have. Yeah. Got anything else burning a hole in your notes over there, Lizzie? No, just uh, all I have left is like the questions about minor characters and character arcs. So, ooh, well, what, well you piqued my interest. What do you got? So, um, character arcs. Oh, you. Oh, are you talking? Oh, you're talking about our yeah. next questions. For that's our next question. Yeah, that's all I. Got. I see. Oh, yes. I see. Mm-hmm. I thought you meant. Yeah. I thought we were going to go on a, a deep dive of Yasilla Batilla. Yeah. If only. <laughs> or Tristan Rivers, who I did make a note, is, seems pretty awesome. I, yes. I like him a lot. Tristan yeah. Rivers is really cool. Yes. He has a whole half page of dialogue and then makes the decision on his own. <laughs> yeah. He just like, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. He literally doesn't ask a single person. He just says, yeah. we're yours. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's who wears the pants? <laughs> yeah. Who wears the pants yeah. and who finds the grapes? Pants. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's got his hand way up Harry Strickland's butt. <laughs> and his, that's one way to put it <laughs> all right I said, Lizzie. What I, I said what i said we what call that a is... joystick <laughs> oh, some more joy for some than others uh what is your song of ice and fire story lizzie how did you find a song of ice and fire um so i found it one of one of, a friend that i've known for years he um i went and was living with him you know, at a, at a rough time and, you know, the boys and I, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just kind of dark and I needed something. I just needed something, you know, to like maybe lose myself in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Distraction. And he was like, well, first he got me into Diablo three. Um, <laughs> I played that for a while, named my witch doctor stank eyes and killed it. <laughs> but then he was like you know you love books these books he's like i know how much you love detail and about 2009 i think and i started reading them and then i i just got in deeper and deeper and now i'm in really deep my brother-in-law's like i'll tell you when you're getting in too deep and that was like three months ago and i'm like but i'm not ashamed so what do you do <laughs> it's when you start deep. appearing on people's podcasts that <laughs> yeah. you, know. you, you found it <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> You're right where you belong, my friend. Uh, In deep with us. So, so did you That's just cool. you? So you found it 2009 at this at this period where you needed this distraction. Did you did you just devour them? Did you and never look back? Or I really was did. It a slow it just, a slow burn. No, I I dove right in and and you know the the messages of, of freedom and 
there's so much that I connected with in that book, like moving forward in my mm. life and finally being free and like you're, you're in dark places and you know, you have to go away inside and Oh yeah. I don't know. I had a lot yeah. of years where I had to go away inside and I just felt seen and connected, you know, Danny's oh, cool. freeing these people, she's liberating them or these people or Sansa's liberating herself. And she was in this terrible situation and she came out of it learning a lot of lessons. So I really, 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 connect with her um i don't know it just i just res it resonates with me a lot of the messages yeah. i feel it uh, that explains like, a lot i feel like that might have answered one of the later questions of you know what about it really speaks to you and keeps you coming back um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really relate to some of those things on a very personal level yeah what what about the fandom? How did you how did you find the fandom itself? What was your gateway to that? So, oh man, I just didn't know. Like I was just going crazy. I'm like reading these books and I'm pacing around like a caged animal, and I got no one to talk to. And I was googling something and came across um, a forum of Ice and Fire, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. joined that Lady Blackwater, and <laughs> kind of dove into that first. And then I was like, huh these podcasts they seem pretty cool so i started listening to podcasts and listened to a lot of them um i don't know i just really felt like your guys in particular you engage and it's silly and fun and i don't know this fandom there's just everybody's awesome everyone's friendly you know you can get on the reddit page and ask a question and people aren't like you didn't know that you fucking peasant like there's no there's no snideness there's no being condescending it's just pure love of this universe and i'm in it i love it i'm here for it i'm glad you are it's yeah super glad you are i feel like that's mostly true i mean there are dark corners of everything but sure i feel like this fandom is and i hear people say the opposite but it's most it's mostly very open i think Mm -hmm. I've seen people quick to be like, get out of here, you know, when people start being dicks or something. Everyone's yeah. like, um, why don't you get out of here then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they'll like stand up for people. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it. You know, we've had, we've seen episodes of this in the fandom periodically where someone in the fandom does something wrong to someone else in the fandom, hurts them in a personal way. And boy, they'll get kicked out awfully fast for doing right. something like that. But, you know, you hurt one of us and see ya. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like Targaryen bastards come out of the woodwork. That's, that's really cool in a way. You know, it's really cool in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Yeah. And we all come at it from different ways. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I was talking to Yoke Boy about this at the last Ice and Fire Con that we were at and just about how, we come at Ice and Fire, Song of Ice and Fire from completely different directions, meaning our podcasts, right? There's being yeah. very scripted and just its own unique, wonderful thing. And then you've got Davos Fingers, which is its own unique, <laughs> Word of the day. maybe wonderful thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yet we're buddies and yeah. we love it. And we could sit and be friends. And, you know, I consider him one cool of my part. closest friends in the fandom and, we come at it from different perspectives, but yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Just, it makes our fandom more rich, I think, yes. to have those different personalities and preferences and ways of coming at it. And 
Yeah. Three. Which is what I love about Meet the Kalasar too, while we're talking about Yeah. It. Just because yeah. we get mm-hmm. so, like, we get so many more different perspectives of, uh, you know, people that approach it different ways, people that might not be as outspoken, but, but have a rich mine of thoughts and feelings about this series that, that we don't get to hear from. I, I just, I felt like this format has been way more enriching than I ever thought it would be. It's yeah. really cool. I loved stuff. all the episodes. Oh, I'm glad you have like some of the stuff you've said tonight, just about the golden company and, and Aegon and stuff. It's been like, Whoa, wow. Yeah. We're... <laughs> like, what yeah. was it that you said earlier that like has never been brought up before? We don't think. I've forgotten about it the already. Lady that's me. The Lady Lamore thing. The Lady Lamore yeah. thing and the Dothraki being gone. Yeah, it's like that's never been talked about <laughs> that we know of. But, you know, we but, know of. Yeah. yeah. I haven't found anything in my digging. Well, let's nope. uh, let's move on to minor character. What? Yeah. Who is your favorite minor character in Song of Ice and Fire? Or this Duncan Egg and all that. This was a tough one. Because I've got love for, you know, the She-Bear and Black Alley Blackwood. Um, Mm -hmm. But who I ended up going with, super relevant, Old Nan. Um, Can we just get like a side book of her stories for one? And two, like who fathered her children? Okay. Three, she knows things. She tells a story, you know, to Bran about... um, little boy who climbs too high and is struck by lightning and he falls and then the crow comes and pecks out his eye it's like come on and i just want to be like she knows stuff um she knows stuff she's a mystery in herself and i i just want to know more about her i want a whole book of her stories i I feel like old man stories to tell in the dark old man stories to tell in the dark would be like an immediate bestseller yes for that third to sixth grade age group and (laughs) old man stories to tell tell in the dark we got ice spiders we got crows pecking out eyes Eyes. she's like the original Grimm's fairy tales before they fluffed it up and made it all pretty like she's like i'll tell you how this really went down okay yeah i feel like i feel like i'm stunned hbo hasn't already written this somehow I know. In so, their nine pilots that they signed <laughs> off on or whatever for side stories. Yeah. Oh man, did you see did you see the, the thing today? From the CEO of Warner something something that's producing us House of the Dragon? No. He flat out said I oh, I don't want to misquote it, but it was something like it doesn't get any crazier than the Targaryens as part of his like little interview quote. And people are going <laughs> nuts about it, man. Because <laughs> Like there's the whole thing like about how the show ended and like mm-hmm. people get really upset about the mad Targaryen thing and then here's the guy basically tip basically tipping the hand, at least it seems to me, tipping the hand that this show's gonna be about Targaryens being crazy. Which being would be too nuts. bad because yeah. that story is very nuanced. And they do go a little crazy, but like for good reasons. But they believe the they're right. Each side has like a, a new yeah. mission, you know? It's not just that they're yeah. crazy. It's that they're fighting for something that they believe yes. is theirs. Right. Thank you, Viserys. It'd be really too bad if they've shortchanged just... it. <sighs> anyway. <sighs> R.I.P. Baylor Breakspear. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Always. <laughs> Rest in peace says because we know your brain fell out. <laughs> So uh, we talked about minor characters. 
Do you have a character arc like that you like the best of following their whole trajectory? Um, so one of my favorites is the combo of Jamie and Brienne. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's the one, you know, the one who makes him realize that he's more than just the Kingslayer and he's more than just a sword hand. You know, he dreamed. I dreamed of you. I always get goosebumps when he said that. I dreamed of you. And he helps her, I don't know, maybe feel like a woman and feel powerful and maybe even seen and beautiful, even if it's just on the inside. You know, they bring this out in each other. And obviously we're in a cliffhanger with them right now. But I just really love what they've brought out in each other. I think it's really special. And I like that. Yeah. They are for feel sure driving seen. each other's I like growth. that. Yeah. yeah. It, he helps her feel seen. I like that. The way you describe that. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Great answer. Great answer. And that, yeah, that arc, uh, that arc could be more like a straight rope for a scene, but uh, we'll see. So I had that a was a, that was a hanging joke. That was a hanging. Was... <laughs> Scared. Bringing out gallows humor. Indeed. <laughs> um, I have a hard it's time. It's not a good joke when you have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a dad joke, and it's fine. Play through. <laughs> That's all I do. What were you going to say, Lizzie? I had a harder time with, like, who are you excited for in Winds of Winter? I kind of had, like, a trifecta. Um, okay. Obviously, the Jamie and Brienne were in such a cliffhanger within. I must know, you know, like, Team Heil Hunt. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, it's between that, Sansa's arc, because I really want mm-hmm. Jane Poole to come and bite Littlefinger right in his ass. Really, really, really. Oh, that would be so awesome. God, That's I want so that to satisfying. happen. And mm-hmm. third is whoever's chapter it is when they find out Rob Stark named John his heir in the will. Like when that will comes to light, I want to see that. I'm waiting for it. People know about it. Some of those people are at the wall with him. <laughs> Mommy needs to know. Okay. I want to see, like, mm, I want to see their faces. I want to see, yeah, every reaction. George, you got to give us every single person's reaction to this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really wonder where that's going to happen. Yeah, suck gonna, it with your offer, Stannis. And... Yeah, basic. What's that going to be? <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. Anything else, Lizzie? I know you had a lot of a lot of things you wanted to talk about. Anything else before we sign off? I think I'm good. I feel so much better. This is, oh, this is, you guys, this is the first time I've, like, Turn talked to people out loud. It's always been on the interwebs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, this this has been good. I feel, feel good. Good. Yeah, it's been a blast. I'm glad you It's I'm been a blast. Yeah, it has yeah, been fun. Your, Thank you guys for having me on. Your passion is super apparent and so much fun. <laughs> you, you did not disappoint. Definitely. Thank God. Well, shall we, shall we sign off then? Let's sign off, man. Do you have a sign off ready for us, Lizzie? I do. Um, I'm going to pull from the office again and it's just one of my favorite Dwight Schrute quotes and it reads my perfect Valentine's Day three cell phones in front of me fielding desperate calls from people who want to buy one of the 50 restaurant reservations I made over six months ago (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that that's that's genius love where he says that (laughs) oh that's so good beautiful beautiful um i'm sensing some some dwight love from you lizzie one of my pins I, on heard my a couple purse dwight just quotes. says dwight you ignorant slut 
<laughs> my my brother and sister-in-law have at their home on their sofa in their living room a throw pillow that says dwight you ignorant slut yes. on the throw pillow <laughs> i think they found it on etsy or something but anyways uh this is matt signing off with a quote from mean girls since we'll be covering yes. that next week um in the words of the infamous coach car don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Okay. Spill chlamydia okay. wrong in the background. It's like my... <laughs> Take these comments. Oh my gosh. A little scared? Uh, <laughs> mine is uh, a poll from Tommy Boy, kind of. Uh, it's a mashup. Wow. Mm -hmm. Aegon in this chapter uh, mentions that uh, they can go. He's the dragon that they, the, the only dragon they need. They can go over to Westeros now, and his aunt can show up, you know, if and when she chooses. And I just want to say that he better get down on his knees and pray to the god <laughs> of skinny punks that the wind doesn't pick up. And blow those ships over to Westeros. Yes. Well done. <laughs> I know where you live and I know where you sleep. <laughs> oh, good sign-offs, guys. Nice. Good sign-offs. Okay. Been, a fun, been well, a fun discussion. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Yep, for sure. Okay, good night, everybody. Uh, did we uh, did we change the episode title or anything like that? Oh, uh, no, not so far, but we could. Do you want, Lizzie, do you have any uh, anything Whoops. jumping out at you for an episode title? beyond? I didn't think of anything till right now. I tried. Nothing jumped out at me while I was reading. But, and... I mean, the title itself of the chapter is so powerful to me. The Lost yeah. Lord. I love Most it. Most cool. Most of the chapters we pick don't have titles like that. They're just... You know. It's like Cersei right. 2 or something. Right. Just the names. Right. But this one, since it's got a name, it's kind of okay. And Let's do not... it. Yeah, okay. I yeah. like it. The Lost Lord, oh, right? Yeah. Got some, got some, some alliteration gra in there. It's got go some with, gravitas. I could go with Le Lost Lord. Yes. Make it like super alliterative if you want. I think you should go with your Swedish Sansa voice for Le the whole episode. Le Lost Lord. For the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, one hiccup for me is when I went to print out my summaries that I'm going to read, my printer broke. So I'm going to okay. have to like just switch back and forth. I've got it pulled up right here though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's any, fine. I'm... If not, so totally cool. If there's any like delays, I can oh, edit the delays no. out and everything. I'll pull it up on my phone. What am I thinking? God. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever's more comfortable What am I doing with my life? I mean, you, you also, you don't need to look at us. You can just, when you're reading the summary for those few minutes, you can just look at the, look at the summary too. If you want to look at us, you know, I understand Matt's a handsome devil, but... I don't recommend it. stop. <laughs> I did comb my hair today for some reason. Uh, we went out to dinner tonight, but... Wow, um, out to yeah. dinner. Those were three we went, words in the pandemic that I'm not super familiar with. We went out to dinner. Yep, we sat in a restaurant and everything. Wow. It was kind of nice. Yeah. yeah.